0: Love Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go with the main event of the evening.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, attendants, boxing men, joining us around the world. It's time for the value of all we've been waiting for. Finally, it's the, the showtime. Hey, man, we dedicate our lives to this sport. We give, we to the the camp. We run hundreds of miles, you know, for the one to take it serious. And we just dedicate ourselves fully to our craft, man. We watch tape. We, we, we you know we have attitude, we and we want that fight to land on the to land on the
2: line. I am your host, Chris Carlson. Man, do we have a lot to talk about. Hope everybody's doing okay. The weather's really strange, man. Um, You know, thoughts and prayers and just thinking about what happened with those tornadoes, uh, you know, in a lot of different places, but especially Kentucky. And I bring that up in general just because, you know, up in Minnesota, up here up north, we're actually it's like randomly like fifty five degrees and we have tornado warnings as well. Not trying to put the case in the you know, not trying to make a big deal about it as far as woe as me or anything like that, but that shit was devastating, man. No doubt about it. But uh yeah, it's it's crazy, crazy weather. Really crazy. It got to fifty seven a day and it literally snowed about twelve inches on what, last Friday? It's crazy. Anyway Enough about that type of stuff. Wow. Like I said, we got a lot to talk about. It's just, (laughs) you know, I've said it for a couple years now. There's times where there's just too much boxing. I'm a hardcore boxing fan. I'm not the hardcore of the hardcore, the most hardest of them all. I'm not this in-depth you know, the best boxing historian of all time. I know everything, nothing like that. But I followed the sport for quite some time, right? And I'm telling you, dude, this shit, it's just so much of it. And like I said, for a boxing fan, in some ways I really love it, but like, it's just so much. And, you know, it can be kind of spread out nicely. And that's kind of how it went on Saturday. You know what I mean? It really did. Luckily, we had, uh, you know, the UK fights and all that kind of wrap up early and whatnot, and the the ESPN and Showtime fights blended together. But there was time to catch both in a sense, anyway. But this weekend coming up, it's just so much of it, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I said, I'm not complaining. But we've said that from time to time, like, there's a lot going on. And just reading through the schedule, it's crazy. It it literally is crazy. There's so many fights this coming weekend, Friday and Saturday. Um, Like I said, there's just probably too much. Uh, But, you know, you do kind of get this at the end of the year, too. A lot of fighters getting out. There's not a ton of important fights. But there still is some competitive fights um, on paper that we definitely will preview and predict. I will be um, live at the Armory this Friday. Or, sorry, Saturday. I won't be there Friday. That will be kind of weird. Saturday I'll be there um, covering the fights on Fox. Uh, David Morrell Jr. Uh, is fighting Fox. We've got a couple other kind of interesting... Uh, prospect level type stuff Um, so I think it's a decent card I really do Um, the FS1 card is really good so it's it's kind of what Fox has been a prospect contender type stuff some of it on paper not so good some of it's actually turned out better than we thought so um but yeah I mean there's so much Peter Biev in Brown fighting on ESPN plus on Friday uh, Madremoff in Soro, Michael Soro. I'm looking, uh, or I think it's Michelle Soro. I'm looking forward to that one. That's on Friday as well. On the zone, um, Joshua or Joseph Parker and Derek Chisora on the zone. Um, I mean, the list goes. Gilberto Ramirez is fighting Gonzalez on the zone. Um, oh yeah, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley part two that's on paper like there's just so much of it dude like I said for a boxing fan hey I'm not complaining overly complaining but it's just it's weird man because sometimes I don't know it's kind of like there has to be kind of an in-between you know there's got to be some sort of in-between um and I realized venues aren't wide open for boxing um so you've got to take what you can get, and, and you're going go head to go head-to-head. I mean, the amount of cards that are in the contracts for ESPN, for PBC, for Showtime and e- in Fox, and then DAZN's cards, clearly they're going go head to go head-to-head. Um, there's just no stopping that. Maybe in the spring, and the summer, you know, it'd be cool if we could get some more maybe Thursday night cards or something like that, especially in the summer. But it's crazy. Like I said, as a, as a boxing fan, it's awesome, but you just look and you go, hmm, a lot of this stuff is just going to get lost in the sauce, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, Lomachenko, uh, Nonito Donaire, Bivol, um, Connor Ben, Katie Taylor, just some of the names that fought this last weekend, so we will start with Preview. And then we'll go through the start with recap. Here I am. <laughs> um, and then we'll we're preview and predict a handful of these fights. We're not gonna break down all, all seventeen fights to break you know, to, to go through, but there are some kinda fights that, you know, maybe the main event will be just okay, but an undercard fights pretty damn good, that type of thing. So we'll be we'll be previewing that. And then of course, you know, we'll we'll talk about some current fight news. We are starting to see the January and February uh, schedule fill up a bit. Um, Some really interesting fights. Actually, right before I got on here to start the show, there was a really interesting fight uh, that I've been wondering when they're going to make. We'll talk about that. Ryan Garcia says he's in talks with a certain fighter that I know a lot of people would like him to to face. And no, it's not Gervonta Davis. But... um, It would be interesting. It would be a really interesting fight. Um, Other news like, oh, the rumor out there, it sounds like it's a strong rumor. sounds like it's legit, actually. If the fight makes sense, it's just, it's rumored to be on pay-per-view, and that's the troubling part. Keith Thurman and um, Mario Barrios. Barrios. Thurman and Barrios, which, you know, considering Keith Thurman, you know hasn't fought in about two and a half years barrios or a couple other abel ramos you know a couple other guys i i get that he'd come back you know a lot of people say oh he should he should just jump in there with crawford it's like why would you do that you know look at how well he performed against pacquiao but he did get that jose Cito fight in now he looked good in that fight until he got hurt right so i understand there's a possibility him getting hurt and all that but you know i think in general it's smart for him to get a fight first before you start taking on a spence or, or a crawford or something like that the problem i have is it's not a paper worthy fight now maybe they're going to announce because this isn't announced by the way this isn't 100 um, percent. it's just strongly rumored and the fight itself like I mentioned, Abel Ramos, a couple other fights out there. It makes sense for the level coming back. And, hey, if you're Barrios, a name like that, why not try to fight him two and a half years out? You know, this is the best time to fight him, really. Um, but it, like I said, it's the pay-per-view thing. That, that's, so if it's a $30 or $40 pay-per-view, I think people will be like, uh, okay, because, you know, you, you see that on boxing Twitter. I don't know how much I really believe it. But you see people on boxing Twitter say, "Well, if this was sixty bucks or fifty five or fifty, I'd pay for it, but I'm not paying seventy or seventy five or whatever and to an extent, I think there's something to that, but not much to be honest with you now, when you cut it in half, now you're talking, you know what i mean if if something with tax costs you eighty bucks, you get it for forty, okay, but you know much like that. Luis Ortiz, Charles Martin fight. I like that fight. That's a good fight. I'm just not a big, whether it's, you know, I'm just not big on the pay-per-view part of that fight. And trust me, I, I, I've said it time and time again, there's been a ton of pay-per-views over the years um, that people say, oh, they'd never do this. Back in the day, they'd never do this. And then you go, oh, really? Do you know this fight was on pay-per-view? <laughs> I know multiple people that bought, I mentioned it, go through you go Bobby Gunn and Roy Jones I know plenty of I know I could name four people right now that bought that pay-per-view I'm not one of them um, but it's just to me the Ortiz Martin is a great Fox fight you know what I mean it's like alright there you go clearly there's something to this stuff. you know what I mean clearly there's something to this and it's not like you got to break you know break the, the bank for either of those guys so if they can make a little bit of money on it, you know clearly clearly there's something there. Fox doesn't just throw away money per se, uh, but the Thurman Barrios, you know Barrios just you know had a really good performance in front of a huge crowd in Atlanta against Tank, and um, you know for what level of fight it is, it did you know it made money on pay per view anyway from the from the sounds of it. If you think about what you know. Uh, past break-even numbers where or whatever like that but it's just like I said I I hope it's discounted let's put it that way because to me I just I'm not a big fan of that I like the fight I think it's a good level for him to come back to and I think it's a great opportunity for Barrios but uh you know it is what it is anyway if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope radio podcast welcome it streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com dot forward slash ropeadope radio. However, you don't have to go to Block Talk and it and download the show directly there or listen to the browser if you don't want to. You can find the Ropeadope Radio Podcast on Apple Podcast or yeah, Apple Podcast <clears throat> excuse me. IHeart Radio, Player FM, Tune In, Stitcher Stricker Spicker, Spricker. I'm all over the place. Um, also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to TheGruelingTruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks. Without the additional fee, which we're seeing more and more, if you even have the uh, the networks, you know. Uh, you see that with a lot of different cable companies now. It's really kind of mind-blowing. Anyway, boxing fans, you'll like this. If you go all the way to the Premier package, that'll give you HBO Max and Showtime included in the sub. Uh, it's $11 for Showtime, by the way, on TV Stream. All right. Anywho. So, like I said, last weekend was a busy fight weekend, no doubt about it, but it almost seems like – we're well, we're just kind of getting used to that stuff, obviously, you know, but – because we've had so many cards. But this <laughs> – I was just looking through the schedule like, oh, that's right, this – oh, that's this weekend. Oh, that's right, that's this weekend. Oh, that's right, that's this weekend. Like, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, um – We'll start with uh, the Lomachenko and Komei fight. Pretty slow start. I actually gave Komei the first round. um, But like I said, pretty slow start. Um, Beyond like a late left hand uh, from Lomachenko, he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, There was a couple of, what, a couple of nice body shots um, from Komei. But, you know, I gave him that round, but... There wasn't, let me see, did I give him another round? I don't believe so. No, I didn't. It was pretty much Lomachenko after that. He was doing the old downloading thing. He didn't wait seven rounds, though, like he did against Lopez. But um, you can see even by the second round, the fight started heating up more. And um, the left hand started landing for Lomachenko. You could kind of tell he was he was looking for that, that counter. His timing started coming together. Um, there was like a little combination that kind of stumbled Komei a bit, um, like what, under the 10-second mark or something like that, um, and was that the second or third round, but it was kind of funny, but kind of like, well, go, go finish him then. You know, I remember seeing that that leg, right? It was, dude, he, he, his leg was, uh, like, froze for a second. come's leg, like, froze. It was a really weird, really weird thing. Um, I mean, of course, we've seen plenty of legs look bad and whatnot, but, um, you know, he, he was doing this thing like, uh, you know, you're going to stop this fight type thing. And, you know, from time to time, Lomachenko, you could tell he's just kind of kind of having fun in the ring um, you know when some fighters do this they get labeled a bunch of different things uh but loma has always kind of messed around uh, in the ring at times i mean when it's time to get busy it's time to get busy i'm not saying that but um i don't know i you know i hear like i think max was saying you know he, he doesn't he doesn't have the stomach to finish on you know, he was actually just being a really good guy. And Well, to be honest with you, if you're going to look at it that way, to me, he was kind of being a dick then. Like, you're going to come get your boy, you know? But the funny thing is, he then didn't finish him, you know? So it was kind of like, huh, ah, okay. Um, but, yeah, he stumbled him pretty bad. Um, it was like two left hands. And like I said, he kept pointing to the corner and whatnot. It was kind of funny. Uh, don't get me wrong. Um, but I did think Comey bounced back somewhat well anyway. Um, he was starting to get inside and get some busy work done a little bit the very next round, which is kind of surprising to me, you know, because he did look pretty hurt. Um, the counter left hands, the combinations, the quick combos early and late in the third round, you know, that's kind of what Loma was on his in and out quick combos, you know, and his footwork. He's on this side of you, that side of you. It's, it's basically, it was basically the same thing. Jab left hand for one round. You know, he was mixing it up like Loma does. And by, you know, whatever, the fifth, sixth, seventh round, he was basically just outclassing him. Really. Um, there was a, what was it? A short. Left hook, that knocked him down. I think it was a short left hook, but it was two straight lefts before, and then a short left hook. And maybe that's when his leg, that's what it was. Yeah, because he was already, look, that's right. He did it early in the fight. That's what I was saying. Like, is this the round? It feels early. The seventh round is where he started. That's where it was like a, his leg just went limp, Kobe. You know, Um and he was asking his corner, are you going to stop this? You're going to come get your boy, basically. And, um, you know, Comey's legs looked really bad. I, I, I knew I should have been looking at my card earlier. So I was like, that seems too damn early. Um, but there was like a, a late flurry and whatnot. And, like I said, 10-8. You, you could make an argument that that was a 10-7 round in the seventh. um, And you know, dominant after that, really. I mean, some combinations here, um, a jab and a right hand at times by Comey, but, you know, not not much. The cleaner, puncher, the better defensive footwork, the whole nine. You know, this this matchup was perfect for Lomachenko. That's not taking any credit away from his performance or Comey for that matter. But, you know, this was kind of lined up nice for him stylistically, you know what I mean, um, but, you know, I, I thought considering how, I guess you could say hurt, you know, he looked, I, I thought he, he, he kind of manned up and finished it off, you know what I mean, so really one round, one round, two rounds tops, uh, there's not many rounds you can give to Gomez. it was a pretty much a one-sided fight, and now, off uh, two good victories, um, where he looked really good. I'm speaking of Loma Chengo, obviously. Um, you know, it's time for him to mix it up again. And, and you know, Bob Arum says that, you know, he, he feels like the WBO is going to call a mandatory. We mentioned how at some point, well, the Devin Haney can never be a mandatory to the franchise belt, unfortunately. And then, same with the WBA. Usually the Super doesn't have the mandatories, but now they're going through this, you know. I'm glad they're doing it, but they're doing it in such a sanction belt, boxing politics way that it's like, oh, that's cool in that way, class. That's bullshit there. Oh, that's cool. Why don't they call that fight? Oh, I'm glad they called that fight type thing. You know what I mean? Like what they're doing to Ugas. He could have a Spence fight right now, but they're making him fight Stannonius. You know what I mean? So And then <laughs> fight, what's his name, after. You know, so it is what it is. Um, however, so I guess when you look at the scenario, the WBA and the WBO are probably the ones that are going to call it before. In, in, uh, I don't know. I mean, the WBA, like I said, has been shaky on how they've been doing it. So, you assume they, they they just made him say, made him, uh, before it was the 130 belt that he had to drop. Oh, wow. Some crazy lightning behind there. Um, it is so weird to see lightning in uh, in December. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, the like, I don't know. The best shot is the WBA, BO, excuse me, and then maybe the BA, because they are, they have been trying to clean up the mess they started, you know. So at some point, they're going to have to call Gervonta as well. Um, and like I said, but when push comes to shove, I don't know. I kind of, if the WBO doesn't call it like a Mando, I believe that Devin Haney will get it because I just I don't see too. Who's going to out? bid to zone in this scenario i I just especially with eddie hearn and i don't know if this is just him being a promoter or not but he did say that they had plans to zone in general at you know putting more money and investing a little bit more and expanding uh their their subscriber base in australia so what better way than to do a fight in australia now who knows? I mean, if they're putting up the money, maybe they'll say, hey, we'll give you this kind of money, but we're not going to Australia. So, you know, I guess we'll find out how much they plan on, you know, putting a dent into uh, Australia, you know, off of this fight. But, yeah, there's just something – I don't know. I just feel like – like even if they – let's say they do call the W I, – I take that back. If they, if they call the WBO – Maybe they'll just work something out, right? But I feel like they could just be like, well, I'll go to a purse bid, and then the zone will pick it up. You know, Eddie will pick it up. Um, but then again, what am I saying? He, he would pick up the Loma fight. Maybe he would, <laughs> you know, just to get the other one. But I really think the money value there, I do think the zone, to get Haney a fight, I, I do think the zone will come up big to get that. And it seems like Haney's willing to travel. That's what it sounds like anyway. So we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, two good performances coming off a mediocre, uh, at times poor, at times very good performance against uh, Lopez. You know, whether it was the shoulder that was the main reason or not, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that just that's, – that's boxing. You know what I mean? It may not be fair, but that's what it is. On the undercard, uh, Keyshawn Davis. Nice little, what was it? A left hook to the body stoppage. I think he's now four and zero. Of course, uh, Nico, Nico Walsh slash Ali. Um, he fought a four rounder, and yeah, that's about it. No, he uh, he actually had some problems in the third and fourth round, and I remember him. I remember hearing the interview saying, "Yeah, they're fast tracking you, dude." Dude, I faced was undefeated. Um, so yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not trying to hate on the guy by any chance, you know, do you, but, you know, let, let's just watch him develop and see what happens. I mean, Lord knows we're going to have to watch him. He's going to be on the broadcast, so. Man, I'm choking over here. Okay. <clears throat> Man, I hope it don't lose power. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, then Jared Anderson. Against guess uh, Teslanco. Uh, Shorty the Pimp. I wish I had that song queued up. Shorty the Pimp. boom, the boom, boom. boom. He walks with a limb. Anderson had his little swag going on. Uh, walking in. And he walked in and walked out, basically. <laughs> it was real easy. He actually started um, in Southpaw, if I recall. Landed, uh several heavy left hands. Uh, putting in some nice body work. Uh, later in that first round, he landed a nice, uh, actually left and right hook to so the body, you know, I remember. A um, couple of decent lands for Teslenko, uh but nothing too, too crazy, you know what I mean? Um, and it didn't take long, like I said. It was like big right hand hurt him, like really bad, and it was over. I mean... It was over, you know, it was a good Performance um, So what is he, 8-0 With AKOs or something like that So yeah, I mean it, I like What I see out of Jared Anderson, dude You know, we we obviously You know, will he be The next generation heavyweight from the USA? I mean, he's got a Chance to be, that's for sure He's definitely athletic, he's got good footwork uh, He's got Fundamentals, I think that we are i don't know he's aggressive so there's times where you go man he just got clipped right there you know but when you say well first of all you're gonna get punched in boxing right but i'm talking about you know at the high levels with guys that can really punch you know sometimes we we kind of fall in love with punchers other times we kind of overdo like hey dude he needs to slow down well look at his level of competition right now And I'm not saying, oh, they're slow rolling them. They're going to, you know, milk them or nothing like that. I'm saying, like, he probably won't be as aggressive, you know, as he steps up until he feels more comfortable with who he's facing and and taking a punch and whatnot. So I did hear some folks say, man, considering, you know, how short of a fight it was, man, he got hit a lot, you know. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I hear you. But I didn't really see, uh, you know, I don't think there's a, a big worry at this point that he won't be able to be on the top levels uh, of the sport uh, just because he was getting clipped here. Uh, let's see it against the higher level guy, but I guess that would be the only thing I can think of, um, to be honest with you, but like, really, that's the only thing I can, a couple of times I've seen him get hit kind of clean coming in, but like I guess that it kind of looks like he's just trying to knock dude out. Um, and then, uh, Zayas, uh, what is he? Six and zero this year, seven and Six and zero, something like that. He had a quick little, uh, what was it, overhand rights, really quick little fight business as well. A lot of people are giving, uh, Xander the prospect of the year, which I get he's been active. He's been busy, uh, and he's looked damn good doing it. You know what I mean? And that, that's a key thing too, um. Obviously, we'll get into it in a few weeks, but uh, the prospect of the year, fighting the year, fighter of the year, all that good stuff, upset of the year, knockout of the year, um, comeback of the year, lots of different stuff that you know to choose from. But with prospect of the year, I'm a little bit different. Um, for instance, I'm not saying he's going to get it. I'm just using it as an example. But David Burrell Jr. right now, to me, where I have him ranked, he's still a prospect. Uh, now, I understand, you know, he's got a, a, a secondary belt. But that's why I like this fight coming up for him. And I like how they're going to move him faster, but not like, oh, in three fights, you got a championship fight against one of the toughest guys in the division. You know what I mean? But I look at him as a prospect still. And it, could you say that just based off eye test, he could be a contender? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you that. You can put him in the top 10, but he hasn't—he doesn't have a bunch of wins or a, a good quality win to get him in the top 10. I mean, it is what it is. You know, maybe lower half of the top 10, that's fine. Like I said, just eye test. Um, but they're trying to get him rounds. They're trying to get him, you know, like experience. So my point is, Sometimes you go from prospect to champion. Sometimes you go prospect to contender in one fight, and then you're a champion the next one, you know? But if you're a prospect and you win a belt, that doesn't take, like, to me, that doesn't prospect the year away, you know? Now, if you've already beaten some guys where you've been a contender for a handful of fights, okay, that's different. But I do judge it a little bit. The reason why I do that is because, so many of these guys are, whatever, 7-0, and knocking out people that don't really count. We won't know until, I mean, of course it counts on the record. I'm not saying that. But, like, we don't really know where they're going to be, so why why go and give somebody a prospect of the year? Now, you know, Xander's a little different because he's been really active as well. Um, and they've been, you know, slowly but surely putting his um, competition up. So... You can be in that fringe contender prospect mode and, you know, get a really solid win. And for me, that makes you prospect of the year. But, you know, I've had lots of debates over the years. On, You're crazy and, you know, what are you talking about? That's not a prospect of the year and all that. You know, on one hand, they'll, they'll rip a WBA belt, right? They'll call it like the Reggie or, you know, the secondary belt. On the other hand, their debate to me is, he's got a belt, dude. You know, so it's like, okay, well, which one is it, dude? You tell me. Um, but, yeah, there there, there, there wasn't a whole lot more to talk about on that card that I remember. Um, moving on to Showtime, Brandon Lee. Uh, what was it, seventh round? It was like probably 40, 50 seconds into the seventh round a left right combination, drops him, knocks him down, knocks him out. Uh I thought he looked very good in that fight. Um and I'm, you know, definitely looking for him to keep, you know, rising. He's definitely on the on the radar. Donaire, you know, took care of business again, dude. I mean go you know, this Gobayo guy it's funny, I'm pretty sure I think last week and
1: I misspoke
2: cuz I was like, "Wait, didn't didn't most people think he lost his last fight? I got a little confused with his last fight, I believe I did." I'm just trying to think out loud. I'm pretty sure I did, but I thought I caught myself going, "Wait a second. I'm not sure he won his last fight. I think that's how it went." But anyway, um once, you know, once I uh the week went on and I started thinking about it, I'm like, "Oh, that's right. That was That's right. It was him. That was the fight. I think I got it confused momentarily. I may have fixed it, though. Um, I just can't remember, (laughs) to be honest with you. But Donaire, you know, this... I mean, speaking of freezing someone, like, a left hook landed super flush, like, in the second round. And just for a moment, just a tad bit, he froze. Goodbye, I mean, it was kind of funny. Now... Gabayo managed to land it, you know, land some jabs and uh, some nice right hands and little body work. Like, the third round was a close round, um, but the combinations to the head and body, of course, the counter left hand, um, there was a cut, small cut, by the third round, I believe, on the right eye of uh, Gabayo. A um, little back and forth. Before this thing ended to the body, there was some good back and forth in that fourth round. Um, but it was like a, a, a body, it was like a right and a left hook to the body, and then another left hook to the body. So a late body shot, TKO. And I call it TKO because he did get up and then went right back down. It was almost like he was testing it by getting up, you know, and like, oh, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done. Um, so once again, speaking of comeback fighter of the year, um, I mean, Donaire, Nonito Donaire's got to be up there. Some people are trying to say fighter of the year. I don't think his wins have been big enough, but um, it's just, what is he, 39 now, especially at these little weight classes? Obviously, him going down, you know, we all kind of thought, hmm, is that the best thing at this age? But, you know, you also in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, I mean, 126 definitely wasn't a good weight class for him. 122 was better, but man, if he can be healthy and be at 118, he's you know he's so long and lanky
1: and talented
2: and skilled. I mean, the guy, you know, is a Hall of Famer. By the way, some people still argue that. Um, I think Abner Mares in. Um, speaking of in on Donaire, I wish we would have got to see that fight. But I think they're both. Uh, they had runs that puts them in the Hall of Fame for me, um, personally. You know. Now, the the really interesting fight here was Abdul Khabarov, like Khabarov, Abdu Khabarov, uh, and Crowley. And uh, I mean, if you look at, I'm looking at my scorecard right now. I mean the first I mean obviously the second round there was that knockdown but God the first four rounds I mean crowley was getting it in dude he was bringing the pressure um, he was doing his thing I mean that was the first round not the second round was it? it was the first round he was bringing a ton of pressure and he actually he got he was finding the home like over and over again with big shots. Um, but, you know, it's funny. <laughs> he got in front of him. He kind of froze a little bit and got dropped with a left hook. I believe it was a left hook by Abdukhabarov. And so it gave him the round. No, it was the second round maybe. But <laughs> that's about it for a while. I mean, Crowley got caught, but he came back with his own left hooks pressuring a whole lot, pushing the pace, straight left hands. Um, At times, he'd kind of do this little step back just in spots, you know, and then get back to being busier, landing the better shots. Whereas it seemed like Abdukagorov got stuck into trying to land the counter that had happened in the first round, you know. Um, And Cody just, what is he, the drifter? Uh, he drifted a little bit in the fifth round, um, and Abdu Kabarov was bleeding pretty bad. Um, what was it from his left ear? I think you could say Crowley was busier. I mean, every round he was busier, basically. But I do think um, good back and forth fifth round. But I think the left hand's late, um, and a left hand left hook to the body and a left hand upstairs probably won him that round. But then I look again, and I'm like, okay, so how many more rounds? Uh, Okay, I gave him a couple more rounds, but Crowley I gave to six. And and like I said, he just needed to be busier. I mean, he basically won that with the jab and, you know, left hands to the head. It wasn't, you know, wasn't all that, that, you know, complicated. Um, Just out hustling him, you know, overall. And then by the seventh and eighth round, you started to see – uh moved a lot then. It was like, whoa, man, you're just going to look for one shot at a time, and now you're just moving a lot? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you really couldn't give him that many more rounds. Um, And he just, Crawley just kept following him, kept jabbing, uh, those whipping right hands. Like I said, just overall charging forward, getting the job done. He outlanded him 206 to 123. And here's a big difference here not only just outlanding them but 898 to 402 and you look at power shots 182 to 99 um so yeah it was dominant it was one scorecard had a 95 94 i didn't see that 98 91 97 92 um i'm not saying crawley didn't you know like of course he won you know the one where he got knocked down, and one, one at least for sure, if not two, probably maybe two more. I don't know, but Crawley just he did his thing, man. And I love stories like this where they just, you know, we've seen him fight before. I think he's been on some of those FS1 cards too, and looked pretty good. And and you know, here's this guy that has been taking step aside money so they don't call the IBF. <laughs> In fact, it's funny. Before this fight, I even saw, like, the biggest Crawford fanboy saying that, you know, of course, Spence is ducking this guy. You know what I mean? I did actually thought thought that that would be the fight Spence would come back to, though. Um, Once the Ugas fight fell apart, I did think this would be the fight he'd come back to. Um, But I was wrong. (laughs) And Cody uh, Crawley got the job done, dude. The Canuck Canada the drifter drifted on down and drifted on back and uh, he's got to be loving life right now So it's always fun You know when these type of guys win uh, A fight kind of out of nowhere not that he was just you know, I mean This wasn't like a a done deal or something. I mean, that's why they fight the fights, right, but um I liked what I saw and I, I just think uh Oh boy, it was just kind of and could he just, it was almost like one of the worst things that could happen to him is, is score that knockdown after he was getting beaten the round. Then the knockdown helped him, obviously. But it was almost like, okay, well, I'll just do that a couple more times and I'll win this fight. And it just didn't seem like he was, you know, he kept saying, I fought, this is my third southpaw that I fought. So I'm going to knock him out, then I'm going to knock Spence out. And him and his team were real extra confident. And it just was like, well, just get by this dude, you know. But yeah, man, it's uh, at the same time I kind of feel for him a little bit uh, because he did allow some better fights to happen and whatnot. But uh, once the IBF calls it, you're you're going to either have to do it or you're going to have to drop the belt. But um, it has never been officially called, and now the IBF's going to kind of restart the process. And I wouldn't doubt if they they call for an eliminator. You know what I mean? Because I don't believe Crawley was well. Yeah, because he doesn't have a belt, so I don't think I don't think he was ranked. Uh, actually, let me double check. I don't think he was ranked in the top. Uh, um, let me check. I don't think he was even in the top fifteen in the IBF anyway. And obviously, these are just you know their rankings. I'm not saying he's a top fifteen fighter, but um, all right, so. Yeah, no, that dude was not ranked in the top 15. And and he didn't have to be, because like I said, he didn't have a title, but Sean Porter's out, so Ennis and Ortiz are third and fourth, so would that be the title eliminator? I doubt, I I don't think that fight would happen for a title eliminator. Now, if they did a vacant belt, I guess you could make an argument for it, but I highly doubt the first thing either fighter, to be honest with you, but I, I don't know. I just think that they have other plans for Virgil Ortiz um, and Boots isn't in it. I mean, I'm not saying anyone's afraid of anybody or nothing like that. I'm just saying I just don't know if that would be the case, you know. And they'll probably wait until, um, which is not even long from now, they'll probably wait for uh, Spence to drop the belt when he goes to 54, you know. They can't just give Crawley the title eliminator and be like, okay, well, it wasn't a title eliminator for one. And so they can't just be like, okay, we're calling him a man, though. You know, that's not how it works because technically speaking, they never called the mandatory. So, you know, dude was in mandatory range, but it didn't get called. So who knows, though? Like I said, a lot of times they just make this stuff up. So it is what it is. Um, I'm going to bring in John here in just a moment. Um, to get his take on the weekend and whatnot Oh, Bivol fought a 12 round decision. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah, Connor Ben uh, Katie Taylor won a fight Pretty easily wasn't really much competition there, but Connor Ben Looked pretty good um, His punching power It's somewhat hard to say just how good it is. I mean he caught Algeria with A whole lot, right? But when he did drop him, he zapped him for a moment. I mean, Algeria was hurt, no doubt about it. And he's really, he's coming along. Now, it is kind of funny. (laughs) If I were Conor Bent, and I'm not, by the way, um, I don't know if I'd be, like, calling out Broner. Now, I'd let my, hear me out, hear me out. I'd let Eddie call out Broner. But I don't know. Like, how much, like, I get it. That is a fight that you want to make. It'll sell a fair amount of tickets overseas. I don't know if they're going to be able to pay uh, Broner enough to come over there. I mean, they may. Well, wait, they're not on pay-per-view anymore. Of course, they actually do have a DAZN. I'll get to that in the boxing Twitter segment, fight news segment. They've now officially, I guess you could say, filed the paperwork, got the license. <laughs> but the zone pay-per-view is coming to a theater near you, Um, I mean, it's already come to the States here to an extent anyway um, with the Canelo fights, but um, my point is, how much money are they going to give Broner to not only just fight a young dude, but go overseas? I mean, it's going to take some money, so we'll see. Maybe there's not a ton of money for another fight as it is. You know what I mean? So so maybe he would take it for a little less than we think. But uh so I get it. Like it's a name and they already said they don't want to fight Avanesian. I don't know how many more fights you can go without fighting him though, because he's a good fighter, but if you think you got something here you're not afraid of Avanesian. And I'm not saying they're they're not – f I'm not saying Connor Ben's afraid, but IFL TV and others, uh, Boxing Social, they have been kind of on it, like, well, how many more fights do you think he needs before he fought Abaneci, and, and, you know, he wants to make sure he, you know, takes his time, and, and, and you know, you, you want to have a belt riding on it, and I think they're doing the same thing with a lot of these people are doing. They know, let's say in, you know, late, or like right now next year, right around this time, that we do actually get the Spence crop. We already know Spence is going to go up, you know? I mean, it's it's hard enough for him to make the weight even being disciplined, but he's always been a big dude there. So we, we always knew that was going to happen. Um, and time out of the ring doesn't make that go away. You know, that only makes it harder, right? Even if you're staying in shape, if you're not making it down to that exact weight, and it's been months and months and all for the year that, that gets taxing even more, uh, on your body. But I just think that they're all kind of waiting and lingering and then there's going to be title fights and all that. And then it'll be worth it to make it uh, like a fight with Abanesian or whatever. But I get why Eddie Hearn wants Broner. Um, I think I think it's actually a popular fight in the UK. But the whole calling out Broner does kind of make me chuckle a little bit. Um, because it's like, dude, I want you. It's like, man, he's so old. and say, Look at how he looked in his last fight. He looked horrible. But like I said, I get it. I get it. And Connor's on his own, you know, like he's on his own time frame. And I know a lot of people, and it's legit, that will say, well, you know, he's fighting all these has-beens. And when's the last time Algieri beat someone solid? And, and I get all that. Samuel Vargas and all that, you know. And, but, you know, this, this is what happened in boxing. This is what's happened. This is what happens. It's not anything new to sit there and beat faded vets i mean and then you know and then the promoter turns around said well you know um how long did it take spence to to knock out Algeria? now what was that 2016 it was like five years ago but still that's that's how this stuff goes you know what i mean and same with broner and whatever you know that that's just how it goes so you know i don't it's such a rough division at the top. Dan, why Eddie wants him to move him this way, and it's not like he had a long amateur career or something like that. You know what I mean? So, anyway, I did. I did want to talk about Conor Ben a little bit. Like I said, Bibble won a fight, a twelve-round fight. It is what it is. I'm not going to go round for round. I'm glad that he's boxing. You know, he's been kind of, you know, he's just been missing in action. Dude. He had a nice little run a couple of years back, and then it's been like, eh, whatever, you know. I really just want, you know how we say, oh, we want Benavides and Charlo to fight at 168, or now plant Benavides, right in, earn a Canelo fight. Well, you know, I mean, bibel and Petropiev, you know. Um, I've actually heard multiple sources now that – Beecher Biav, or better Biav, Beecher Biav, however you say it, um, is actually on his last, on his contract. So maybe that's why they're just kind of like, oh, by the way, he's fighting. It's on the plus. Anyway, you know, they're really not, you know, it's not like it's, it's not some kind of worthy big fight or anything, but his career has just been a, a weird disappointment. He has one really, really good win. And then some okay wins that he looked good in, and then others where you're just like, dude, it's just been a stop and start for him, man. But, yeah, why not fight Bibble and Peter B. Let, let them fight. And then Canelo can fight the winner. You know, that that would work, too. Either way, I mean, if I was zone, if I was Eddie Hearn, and that is true, that he's going to be a free agent, then I would sign him and try to do that. That, that way you have some a fight that Canelo would be interested in. Didn't they, didn't they have Bible before or do they still have them? I feel like is he under full contract? I can't remember, but you might as well get both those and, and, and make that fight, dude. You know what I mean? Why not? I mean, maybe they'll do the, you'll get both and have them fight in both Canelo. I don't know, but either way, um, we'll see. I mean, I don't think any of that's going to happen next anyway. So, um, but I did want to get that in there. But like I said, this weekend,
1: <laughs> it's just,
2: as a hardcore fight fan, I love me some boxing. There's so much to watch. It's awesome. But man, so much gets missed in this stuff. But ESPN Plus, uh, in two days, in from Montreal, uh, Toro B- better of B- and Marcus Brown. Who knows what we're going to get from Marcus Brown a few years ago? Maybe I'd be like, oh, dude, you never know. He's got power. But it is what it is. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll see how that fight turns out. Thompson Boxing on Facebook and YouTube, by the way, has a card Friday night. Uh, Soro and Madrima. I'm actually looking. That's a WBA junior middleweight eliminator. I really like the fight. On paper, I'd say that's probably the most interesting fight on paper. That, that's my thoughts on it. And that's uh, that's on The Zone. That's also Friday. Um, on Saturday, on The Zone, Gilberto Zerto Ramirez is taking on Gonzalez for a WBA light heavyweight eliminator. Um, this Gonzalez, isn't this Gonzalez on HBO like in 2015? Uh, probably should have beat Pascal. Weren't we saying, man, Pascal... Should hang him up after that fight, but then now we we do remember how he, uh, you know, failed a bunch of stuff. The undercard though Estrada Santizo, I think it is Lamont Roach Jr. and Renee Alvarado. Now that's another one. That's a one thirty. Um, that's another. It's a ten rounder. That's an interesting fight that really stands out to me. I might put that second or third as far as interest level. Uh, Esparza and Ortiz should be a good fight as well on that card. Um, so that's a pretty good undercard. Obviously, Jake Paul and uh, Woodley, part two. Amanda uh, Amanda Serrano uh, is on that card as well. Shouts out to her. And then on Fox, you have David Murrell Jr. and uh, Alantez Fox. Um, Jose Venezuela against Austin Doulet. I think that's a good prospect fight. I think that's a really good prospect fight for what it is. Local Bishon Owens actually takes on Alberto, what is it, Pueyo. Um, that might be interesting. Now, this is on the FS1 card. Richardson Hitchens in Malik Hawkins um, at 140. I think that's an interesting fight. Um, Hector Luis Garcia and Isaac Alvarez. Uh, uh, what is it? El- Ablara? Um Alvalara. That's what it is. Here, let me look at it. Maybe if I've looked at it, I can say it better. That's an eight-rounder at 135. Um, so it's FS1 at, at um, 5 Central, so 6 o'clock Eastern, and then the Fox uh, show kicks in. We also obviously have um, Joseph, Joseph Parker and Derek Chisora as well. Like, it's, like I said, there's just so much this weekend, dude. Um, that is this weekend, right? The Chisora fight? See, that's where... The, yeah, it is, it is. Yep. It's on the zone, uh, from Manchester. Um, the Gongora richards fight is fairly equally matched. That might be a really, you know, interesting fight there. But it, like I said, it's a busy fight weekend. Um that i hope produces like two or three just can't miss fights but i don't know we'll see i'm gonna go to john here a great boxing mind john bring him into the fold and get his takes on what happened from last weekend and then talk a little bit about what's going on for this busy busy friday and saturday what's going on john how you doing hey chris uh, great to
3: be here uh- Of course, we were saturated with boxing last weekend, and think of me what you will, but I was able to catch just about all of that, which was uh, kind of uh, an undertaking in itself, and hearing you go through this weekend stuff, uh, you're reminding me that we're kind of looking (laughs) at another weekend like that this weekend, and and last weekend was was just a complete marathon to catch all that action, Uh, so uh, we'll see, see how this weekend goes, but that's... A lot
2: of lot of volume in in the
3: two weekends. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, and um, it, it's it's just so much, man. It's almost like it's like a it's homework, you know. It's almost like all right, this is yeah. This is a long. This is actually a long sitting. Like it's funny. There's so much of it now. I can't. You just can't find the time to actually watch a lot of the prospect stuff like on each card. Cause if you start to add up all the prospect stuff in the main stuff, that can be anywhere from, well, you know, it used to be like sometimes it reached 16 fights, but ever since COVID hit, it usually doesn't go that wide. It, you know, it's cards, but I mean, it, it, it can be eight or 10 fights easy on one card. I mean, it adds up to like 30 fights in a week and really quickly sometimes, or at least 20, and you kind of got to pick and choose, and if somebody says, hey, you got to check this prospect out, okay, I'll check that out later, and it's like, it, it's really hard to get it all done. And, and like, like you said, it really, um, it takes some time. It's like a take-home quiz, that, but you don't have the book, you know, that you could just go through it. Oh, take-home quiz? Qu- sweet, this will be easy. No, you don't have the book. You got to actually read the stuff um, all the way through, so – we might as well get into it. Um, Lomachenko, stylistically, we, stylistically, we kind of knew that Comey, you know, was made nicely for him. And uh, Lomachenko did take care of business. Now, he did have Comey, you know, that leg froze up for a while. It looked like he was hurt, hurt. Lomachenko kind of doing his little, you know, hot dogging that he loves to do from time to time. Uh, talking about, hey, you gonna you know get this guy out of here, you know? Like, why don't you why don't you come get your guy here uh, to the corner? Uh, but he didn't finish him. Um, so we'll start with that card. Obviously, Jared Anderson and some other, you know, uh, really high profile prospect is well on the card. And no, I'm not talking about Nico. Um, what are your thoughts on on this here ESPN card and, and Lomachenko's performance? Now, back to back, where he looked pretty good, and it looks like he's ready for a big step-up
3: fight. Because I I just think, you know, and you agree, Chris, we do it a lot. I mean, I think you you have to address the marketing part of it. A lot of people want to try to pretend they're above it, but it's too much a part of the game as to who's going to fight who. And I'll always say this in response to people who say the numbers don't matter and things like that. Why do you care? Well, you know, we podcast. People get on Twitter all the time. Uh, my point of that is, obviously, you want to interact with other boxing fans. No, people can't deny that, no matter what they want to say. All these, you know, again, Twitter, podcasts, Facebook, so you want So, obviously, the more fans that are out there, the more chance you get to interact. So, with that said, the popularity of your sport matters and, and how many people are watching, people who say they don't care. Really, I'm going to submit that. Really deep down, you do care. So, I think, you know, even though those numbers were a little over a million, I, I think basically we're at a point where Top Rank and ESPN or, or you know they 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 copied, so to speak, what PBC was doing when they saw that was a way to rebuild. And and you know, there's no doubt that what PBC did initially and what then Top Rank kind of copying and following the idea was to get to selling pay-per-views. I mean, Bob Arum said that from the beginning. I mean, I think, you know, people are saying now that PBCO, they messed with, no, they they never, they never were saying we're never going to get to a pay-per-view. You know, it was just the idea was we're going to bring free boxing back with the way it used to be. That's going to kind of build to a pay-per-view. Why I'm saying all this before PN card from Saturday is because I do think this is important to me, you know, PBC is really falling off that it's obvious. I mean, okay, we have a Fox card, as you mentioned, Saturday night, but let's, it's just not a good one. Let's face it. It's not going to, it's not going to do good ratings. Um, so your know, top rank, all right, they had Crawford and Porter, but that they hadn't done anything joint, pay, only the joint pay-per-views, you know, the, the Fury Wilder, they haven't run one on their own since that Crawford con disaster. Um, so I think they want to get to it, but they're sticking with the free, so to speak, which I'm calling basic cable free, and you know the ESPN Plus app, which is still pretty low priced. Uh, we don't know what those numbers were exactly, but they're, they're sticking with that now. Obviously, maybe just a hair longer than PBC, and we'll see how that plays out. You know, I don't think you know a million plus whatever Lomachenko did on the apps necessarily particularly good, but it is like we had to talk. And I said the same thing for PBC when they were running free things out there. It's still more people saw Lomachenko than are seeing these other guys. And believe it or not, than are seeing these other guys on pay-per-view. So, you know, for some guys, I think they still benefit when you're still out there. So, you know, Lomachenko got the headline. It, it maybe didn't do the numbers. You'd think as his numbers on ESPN had been surprisingly good when he appeared, but, uh, this wasn't that great, but was good for him to at least be seen by a million plus, which, which nobody's getting right now, including these people appearing on pay-per-view. So uh, I thought Lomachenko looked good. I agree with you. He's just hot dog. And that's not, you know, it, it, comical people saying he was having mercy on Comey, you know, he right in right the corner. I mean, <laughs> that's, a, that's a bunch of crap. Get the guy out of there. The ref will be happy to stop the fight. You know, again, it's the ref's job to stop the fight ref didn't stop made the right call Lomachenko's job is to get him out of there really the only flaw then so for Lomachenko was I'm with you I mean and this was to Lomachenko's credit he's showing good lightweight power and that's even kind of progressed he's gotten more aggressive in a good way as his career's gone on I, I have, I've always given him some credit for that because kind of difficult you know he's a technician and you know in the pro game you know with the amount of fights he's had. You, you have been able to see him as time has gone on really make an adjustment to be more aggressive, more like a pro in that sense. And I actually think he's done a pretty good job of it. You know, you see him throw body shots. He throws that hard overhand left to the head. Um, you know, he he hurt Komei bad with it. Um, you know, you saw him take Rock, knock Rocky Martinez, basically Cole, with it. Uh, you know, he's pretty good with that. But this was one like he, he didn't quite, couldn't quite do the finish, kind of like with Campbell. Although I, I thought Campbell was in survival mode. I don't think Comey was. He just couldn't he just couldn't do anything with Lomachenko. Overall, I, give, I do give Lomachenko a good grade on this performance. I don't think like his big boosters want to make out that he it was this big moment of mercy or that he reestablished himself as the number 1 lightweight in the world with this performance. I mean, a guy that Teofimo Lopez recently blew out, I don't I don't, I don't see how you reestablish yourself uh as the number one lightweight in the world with a clear unanimous decision over the same guy. Uh, so I don't see it that way, but he's right there with the other, you know, with the other four guys. Now we've got really another four who are right there and, and lightweight's extremely interesting. Um, one thing that I'm still scratching my head. Usually I've come to a firm conclusion on this. And it, now this, like you called it, of course, and you're right. It really wasn't. It was an impromptu, unofficial lightweight tournament in the best possible way. Had the real title in, involved, which changed hands from Lopez to uh, Cambosos, who kind of, to me, came out of nowhere. I mean, with that kind of a performance, and then you had all the other top guys. I mean, Gervonta Davis surprised me by, frankly, making the lightweight limit easily. Uh, had tougher time than expected with Isaac Cruz, but. Uh, you know, he seems to be back in that division. To me, that's a surprise. I thought he'd be headed for welterweight at his age, you know, later 20s. But with his style, you know, I've gone through that before. I think he has a kind of style that he might need to be moving up in weight while he's got that youth. But he's down at lightweight, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of interesting stuff going on. You know, Ryan Garcia, um, which I thought was interesting because I think he was serious about it. You heard Lomachenko in the pre-fight. He thinks Ryan – People knock Ryan Garcia. Lomachenko thinks that uh, Ryan Garcia is the most dangerous out of the other guys out there. And, you know, Ryan Garcia is with Golden Boy, so Lomachenko doesn't have any particular interest in saying that. He's with top rank. So I I think he was actually serious. That's his opinion. Um, And, you know, you've got Haney, you know, won a a clear decision over Diaz. Uh, You know, he's not really coming in with as many exciting performances, but he's got that – amateur pedigree and you know developed at a very young age He's still very young good size for the weight you know certainly you're not going to count him out so uh what 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 i've scratched my head though is getting back to that is i don't i can't figure out really what fight kind of should be next because usually i'll go with what what's the best in-house option and just be realistic um but that's not necessarily clear because of the, the proportional things i mean you know, you've got Ryan Garcia fights on the zone, as does Haney, and they have a, a close amateur series. I mentioned it before. They fought in Charleston, West Virginia once. So they, they've they actually got a history. Um, but they are with different promoters. You know, one's Matchroom, one's Golden Boy. But but TV, they can make that. And then you've got, you know, Gervonta. You know, he's with PBC. He's been doing Showtime pay-per-view, and he's really been staying on the Showtime side of things. And, you know, I do agree with some people out there who say the numbers are mystical. I mean, and, you know, even Steven Espinoza literally said it the other day on Twitter. I don't have to give you those numbers, and the streamers don't. And, and he's right, but marketability, I do find myself wondering. You know, I, I don't know exactly how this is going. I know it's going good enough for them to run tank on pay-per-view, but they're not talking numbers. And part of you does have to say if if, if they were that good, they'd be out there. Doesn't mean they're not better than what other guys would have done. I think they probably are, but again, we don't we don't know. So you know where does where does this whole thing? And then you got Lomachenko, you know, with ESPN and Top Rank. You know where does this thing go? What what fight you know can be made? A lot of people are speculating that maybe the easiest then ends up being you know Cambosos with Lomachenko. But you know Cambosos just had Hearn... With the way the fight turned out, it didn't look like it, but it ended up being a pretty savvy move, putting it on the zone. I'll give her in that. I, I certainly didn't think it going in. So, you know, Cambosa's coming off a the zone fight. He's talked about Haney. I, I just don't, I don't know where it's going. I guess I'll have to default like some other people have said. All of those matchups are good, and I do agree with that. Um, part of me would love to just see, just for the excitement of it all, I think, you know, if you had Tank going after the real title, which Cambosos has I mean that would have to be you know Cambosos probably fighting in in a PBC setting I don't know if that would happen but that would be I I guess deep down I'm thinking I'm not saying that's the most likely to happen but that might be kind of the biggest um but I don't but I don't know you know if we're going to get that I don't know where PBC and Tank are going uh from from here but you know I think we could, we could maybe get back to that, by going to the rest of the card, uh, you know, I love the way Jared Anderson looked. Uh, good style coming into the ring. I liked it at the Garden and taking care of business quickly. This thought, I did want to get out there because it kind of came to me after the fight, and, and you know, I've been a big Wilder booster, so if anybody says it's me being a wild, Wilder hater, it's quite the opposite. But, you know, even after 11 fights, I did find myself thinking after that knockout, and it was on ESPN, that – you know, maybe we are at the start of where the American heavyweight torch is being passed here. Um, you know, Deontay Wilder, you know, that was that's fight of the year to me. Nothing's gonna top it. Fury Wilder three, great effort by Deontay and I think Fury is the champ and the best heavyweight of the world, but Deontay getting on the wrong side of thirty five, came in at a heavy weight and just really slugged it out. You know, didn't didn't try to do anything differently. I mean, I think he's been overly criticized sometime, but as good as that fight was, uh, you know he he was just bombing away with the right hand and and not really doing much else and and you know I I don't see where it, you know i, I kind of having trouble seeing where it goes from here for him you know he almost seems to be talking a little bit that way himself I'm not saying he's not fighting again but I don't blame the guy you know he's made a lot of money it's the toughest sport He took a lot of punishment in his last two fights um, you know if he wants to think about what he wants to do I I don't blame him you know as we know both most times the fighters come back. But, but I just think if we're going to be realistic here, and it's not a knock on Deontay Wilder, but that torch might start to have been passed because we know we're not deep at American. And, we, and those really, to me, I mean, the way we stand now, I mean, those are pretty much the two guys, even though Anderson's only got 11 fights and Deontay Wilder's been carrying the torch for the U.S. for a long time. I mean, Hunter just had a dreadful performance. Where he was held to a draw, uh, you know. Let's let's face it; he he's out of things. Um, You know, he's kind of undersized, as we know, as well. So, um, you know, he's not that young. Uh, So, I mean, I think that you know this might be the. I, I think we might be at the start of the Jared Anderson era, because again. You know, Wilder on pay-per-view, Fury Wilder 3 did pretty well, and we know that's where people are paying to see it. But, again, it's being seen. And, you know, so Anderson's getting seen by about a billion people on Saturday, having an impressive knockout. Uh, he's young. He's, you know, punching well, so he's entertaining. I mean, I, I think we don't know – we don't think of top rank for heavyweights, but I think that I think that torch has started to be passed. So that was a big night to me for Anderson and Keyshawn Davis on there. Again, this was a good night for, this is what PBC was doing, but this was a good night for top rank, I think, with this kind of exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, Keyshawn Davis on there signed him, great amateur pedigree, Olympian, silver medalist, looked great. And most every fight, the guy, I've seen the guy as a pro except one, he's looked great. Um, and, you know, so people saw that. I mean, I want to see this guy. He's charismatic. Uh, just I think you know even even with about a million viewers not as many as we would have expected but you know we don't know what was seen on the app and they do simulcast on the app now too and and ESPN plus has been picked up by a lot of people so you know it might be a better number combined not rationalized but it really might It, it might be a better number combined than we think because they're not telling you what the streaming numbers were in addition to the million traditional you know your traditional Nielsen type numbers so uh that that was around there for Lomachenko and he started later so good exposure and good performances for Keyshawn Davis and uh Jared Anderson A, a joke with the Nico Ali Walsh which you know I'm not in favor of I don't like it uh you know his numbers are good which I I just hate it but you have to be real you know you just have to be honest I mean the, it's it's just nuts, but his numbers are pretty good. I still think they're giving him slots that they should give to other people. But he he should he should have been held to a draw in that fight. I mean, sure he, he got a he got a he got a gift that not being a draw. And and you know I don't like to talk to, about the judging as much as other people, Chris. But you do have to say that one. What would the one one judge have at four zero for Ali Walsh? I mean. Yeah, I was just about to check that.
2: Actually, I was just about to check that.
3: Where the hell? Where the hell did that come from? I mean, that 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 one is enough to make you cynical. I mean, you know, he, he gets a four. He gets a a four. Yeah, 0, forty, 40 to thirty-six. 40.
1: Yep.
3: He, I mean that that was that's dreadful because okay, if he wanted to stretch it, and give him the fourth round. But but that one round, he was getting battered. You know, I I I wouldn't go as far as say he was in trouble, but you know he was taking shots from a guy who who was crude and didn't bring any talent in, and uh, so you know that that was so that that was that was dreadful. But but caught all that, and uh, you know we can go on touch a little bit on the on the zone stuff. I I caught all I caught all that all afternoon. Um, Connor Ben, you 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 addressed. I mean. I will, really, you know, I had, I went back and reminded myself, and I even saw the fight. It was when he was first coming up, but I was thinking so little of him at the time. I had to remi- actually remind myself, you know, he, he he fought the French guy who was like five, four, and three, and he he got dropped heavily twice in the first round. Why why I'm bringing that up now is now he got back to showing some power against Algeria. I'll, I I give him that. I'm gonna give him that. That's better. But he's in a very deep division, and I think. This is where people are trying to have it both ways who like Connor Ben. I mean, and it's literally a lot of the same people. Like, they want to tell you, you know, not alphabet stuff, like throw, even throwing the alphabets out, because he did just hit 10 and transnational, which I opposed. I mean, but, you know, I'm not one vote. You know what I mean? So I don't mind saying I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, he, he came in at 10. I, I opposed that. I mean, I I thought, you know, Stan should be a 10 instead of him. And and there were others who agreed, but a little bit of a majority thought Ben should be in. So what I'm just saying here is not just with the transnational board, but I mean with just writers, podcasters, people that follow it, you know, which is it? Is Connor Ben legitimately top 10 and this power's for real and all this ability's for real, or does he need more seasoning? I mean, which is it? Because it's the same people who are trying to tell me that Connor Ben is top 10, legit top 10, not Alphabet. I mean, just one of the 10 best welterweights in the world. But then they want to say, oh, he needs more time. He needs more seasoning, You know, but he's not legit top 10. I mean, if he's legit top 10, he's ready for other top 10 contenders. I mean, you know, you mentioned it, people mention it. I'll actually, believe it or not, though, I don't think he needs, I'm with you. I mean, I don't think he needs to be afraid of Avanesian. But I think that's probably as far as his level goes. I am suspect here. They don't want him in with people that can punch back with any kind of authority. I mean, we're not just talking about punchers. We're just talking about people that punch back with any kind of authority. I mean, you know, Samuel Vargas, Formella, Algieri, you know, what, what do these people all have in common? They can't punch. You know, they they can't punch. And when you're talking about, you know, Formella and, like, Algieri – you're talking about guys that don't even really bring much of an offense. Like, I mean, you know, Vargas' his offense. It's, it's not like sophisticated, and he doesn't bring pop. But you know, he would throw punches. But you know, like like Formella, you know, like like Al. I mean, Algeria has no amateur pedigree whatsoever. I mean, you know, he's like a personal trainer guy. He's got a master's degree. Interesting, intelligent guy, and like I saw some people who were boosters of his. I think maybe like Ron Katz said it, and, Ron, you know, Ron's from New York made a good point. Like, his career went much farther than we ever thought it would have gone, you know? And I agree with that. Like, but, you know, like, I mean, I didn't even think he beat Provodnikov, you know? I mean, when he got dropped, it was a nice, gritty, gutsy comeback and hanging in there. But I, he got the win. I didn't even think he really won the fight. But, you know, okay, he got the win. But, like you said, that was a long time ago at 140 pounds. I mean, not that much difference – between one forty 140 and one forty-seven, but he's thirty-seven years old now. He's never done anything as a welterweight. And, you know, who's his win again? The you're Provodnikov fight. Who else has he? Who else? Is, I didn't think he won that fight. Let's say he did. Who, he was down twice, hard. Who else has he beat? I mean, he, and he was down six times against Pacquiao. He was down. You know, you know, Spence. You know, blew him away. I, I mean. So a guy that gets dropped all the time, can't punch, had been fighting sporadically in recent years and thirty seven years old and thirty seven years old. Now, did Connor Ben poleax him? He did. And I to me that was better than what Connor Ben has done over the last few fights because even in the Vargas fight, even though it was the first round, Vargas didn't go down, they stopped it quick. He didn't drop Formella, he didn't drop Granados. You know, Granados doesn't bring back any offense either. There's another guy. He has no pop. He doesn't, he doesn't bring really any real offense, any kind of sophisticated offense. So what I'm saying is I'm suspicious here. I, I am suspicious. I mean, Ben, he can go in there throwing what he wants when he's getting no resistance. He might get by – I think I would even lean towards him against an Avenesian because I think people overrate Avenesian. But, you know, you, you start putting him in with the other – top 10 welterweights like like people want to put him over stanionis now he punches harder than stanionis even even with the guys he's been in with but you know what stanionis would do stanionis would back him right up and he'd be working the body and ben wouldn't be able to do anything and i think he'd end up taking ben out and and, you know he's not the only guy i mean uh it's a good segue into another fight because that was a debate now he doesn't bring any power either but Cody Crowley really stepped it up. He didn't impress me at all before Saturday night. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning now because he's also a welterweight. That was in the debate. You know, Abdukakaroff was a legit top ten guy who hadn't looked as good in recent years but was on a good run for a while, you know, like when he took out Mnuchin, when Minucci was highly regarded in the top 10. Now, that's a long while back, and, and he faded since then. But, but that was a big knockout at the time. And, you know, he's got the win over Colazzo. Colazzo is always a tough out. Um, you know, Crowley, who to me just couldn't punch at all going into that fight, and was a boxer. He comes out, at Ab- Abdukakarov rocks him. You know, rocks him early in the fight. I mean, legitimately rocks him. And fights in an aggressive manner the whole fight. Got dropped though and went right back to work and I thought he dominated the fight I mean I thought Crowley dominated the fight I was not expecting that at all I didn't think anything of Crowley really before that I just thought he was a a, a soft-fisted boxer who was mediocre and he you know he beat a top 10 guy soundly I mean he clearly beat a top 10 guy had to get up from the brief moment of adversity to do it so that's a much better performance than what Ben's done so far now it doesn't automatically mean maybe Crowley stays better than Ben, but, but he, he earned that. You know, you know He earned a spot over Ben in the legit top ten, and, and Transnational did put him in at eight, which I agreed with. Um, you know, he beat a top ten guy soundly, a clear performance. He stepped it up. He, he, he earned it. So he took a chance, um, performed tremendously against a guy that punches back. You know, that's the difference here. You know, he's in with Abdukako off a guy who's got decent power, who who throws punches back, you know, and, and he did. And even though Crowley dominated him and he wasn't in with a guy that wasn't resisting. So, you know, Ben's, Ben's not in with those kind of guys yet. And I don't think he's going to be in because let's face it, Chris, you mentioned Broner and Hearn seems serious about that to me. And and what's, what's Broner? Broner is a guy who doesn't punch. Now, believe it or not, Broner, what he does punch, even as a welterweight, even though he started at one thirty, his pops not that bad, but he just doesn't throw, and he's not a one punch guy. You know, he's not going to knock out any welterweight with one shot, um, so it's not that kind of danger. So yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't know if there would be any way that fight could be made. I agree with you one hundred percent. I mean, you know, because Broner does draw ratings. I mean, so like, you know, I don't think they could pay the kind of numbers that Broner would want to go over to the UK and and if that would necessarily even be worth it to Hearn, but I see this going basically just the way you see it going. I don't think other people do enough. Hearn's just going to – he's not going to put him in with other people that punch back. I don't think that's going to happen, and he's just going to wait until that welterweight landscape, which is too tough for Ben right now to really take a chance. He's going to wait till some kind of alphabet belt is freed up against a soft opponent who, who's not that big of a threat. And then he's going to put him in with that guy and say he's the champ. Uh, you, you know, I mean, you, you could just see where this thing's going, and, and he'll be fighting in the UK doing that. And you know, some people are going to buy into it, some people aren't. But you know, if it's making money, that's probably going to be enough for them. So I, I don't, I don't see the step. I mean, Avanesian I think it would be far as they step up. I think he's got a shot there. I mean, I don't, I don't see him like. You know, I don't see him go ever going after guys like, you know, Boots Ennis, Virgil Ortiz, and when when people mention Ben in the same breath with those guys, you know, that's nuts to me. I mean, that's nuts to me. I mean, he's not. And, and you know, they 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 like to put him always better than Stannionis. I don't think he is. I don't think he. I don't think he would get by a, a Stan Leonis. um. You know, and, and look, I mean, like, like Danny Garcia, I mean. Danny Danny Garcia knocked out you know Samuel Vargas years ago years ago you know what I mean like so Cotter yeah ben and that Michael was a tune up too uh, it was a tune
2: up to fight yeah, Thurman right. and everybody knew it we didn't yeah. we didn't think much yeah. of it
3: right no, where people were people were saying hey well Danny Garcia knocked out that Samuel Vargas guy I mean no, nobody was you know nobody was saying that I mean uh, and that that's what kind of kind of made me. Kind of made me chuckle, you know. It's like now all of a sudden we're we're supposed to get we're supposed to get excited by that, you know. They, they, I was mean, I was thinking the same thing. Like, and then Danny Garcia blew away Granados and, and he went ten with Ben. So all those Connor Ben fans, man, Danny Garcia, he must be a much more formidable guy than you people thought.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> if he handled yeah, if he handled fun. Adrian Granados a, a lot easier than Connor Ben.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, we're seeing some positive stuff from him to an extent. But, yeah, it does feel like smoke and mirrors a little bit. Or not a little bit. It does. You know, it definitely does. So, you know. But he did show. We'll
3: he see. did get back to showing yeah. some power. He did get back to showing mm-hmm. some power. I'll give him that. He got back to – But there was – Yeah,
2: well, Jimmy was resistance. hurt. He was hurt. It wasn't he, just a little he was hurt. I mean, that was, yeah.
3: No, that was a legit shot. I mean, he poleaxed him. And, and that was good because at least Ben mm-hmm. showed – because I was starting to say – even the power might have been a bit a bit of a mirage, but okay, the power the, there might be some real power there, but but he just yeah, the, just like you said, smoke and mirrors with the he, he's just he's just not in with any resistance right now.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, do we want to talk a little Donaire? And oh wait, you did did you cover that too? I was actually messing with no, my I, I didn't. I jumped around a little, but yeah.
3: That's
2: right, so, Donaire. Yeah. Not that there's so, much yeah, to talk that, about, but it is impressive at his age to look, you know, to do what he's doing, but right. we kind of knew what the matchup was before it happened, you know.
3: Right, but Gabayo, just, you know, he looked terrible against Rodriguez. What was interesting to me, was he just young and he had a little pop on the way up, so I thought at Donaire's age, never know, but, but that's where Donaire is being amazing, he's at, at bantam weight, and then, you know, to be able to do that and that power. But the opposition wasn't there. People shouldn't get too carried away. But, but I was impressed. It's still unprecedented for, you know, a, a bantamweight 39 years old yeah. like him, knocking people out like he is. It, it, it really is. It really is. That is impressive. But, yeah, this you've you got to keep this match matchup a little bit in perspective. And then Brandon Lee, I'm a big fan of. I mean, he's just right on track to me. I, I just don't think people are going to want to fight a Brandon Lee. Um, you know, to me, he's got the power, the size. He, he knows how to fight. Uh, he's young. Um, yeah, you know, he, he's one of the best prospects out there to me. Um, I, I just don't, I think, you know, he definitely projects as a welterweight shortly, but he made 140 easy for this fight. So he's a dangerous man, I think, for, for anybody out there. Um you know, I, I like him a lot. He's got good charisma himself. I, I think really he's a guy It's good that he was on Showtime in this situation. I, I think he's really got to be featured more. I think he should be a, you know, I think he should be a top-focused guy for, for Showtime. Um, you know, and if he's going to be on PBC cards, they're going to want to, I think they should be, you know, featuring him heavily. So uh, I'm a big Brandon Lee fan and believer. I think the sky's the limit for that guy.
2: Any other uh, items you want to discuss before we get to, like we've been talking, a, another just completely jam-packed weekend of all sorts of fights that we won't be able to see all of them? <laughs>
3: yeah, I better you know, touch a little bit more on, on just – I did watch Katie Taylor. I thought she clearly won. Mm-hmm. Like you said, opposition wasn't that great. But uh, I like her. You know, she's, a, she's a good fighter. I always enjoy watching her fights, You know, good hand speed and boxing skill, and she's willing to fight too. But, you know, she's in her mid-30s for a lightweight. I, I think some of the sharpness is starting to go off her punches. Um, I, I did see that, and I think that could be trouble for her against a little tougher opposition at this point. So I think she might have a tougher time if the opposition steps up, like you see some of these other women fighting around 130, 135 pounds. And there are, you know, we're getting where there's a lot of good ones. You know, Alicia Bumgarner, of course, looked real good, showed that pop. Yeah. Against Harper and Michaela Mayer, I think we all agreed was was really impressive in that last fight against Hamadouche. Um, you know, I think if there was three minute rounds, I, I'm feeling she's a fighter that'd be getting more knockouts. You know, they're not fighting him right now, but. You know, and, and you know Amanda Serrano's out there, and uh, you know there, there's there's some tough fighters. I, Katie Taylor's a real good fighter. I, she's for real in that sense, but you know she might be starting to hit the downside. It might it might be tough for her if she gets in one of those big matchups now. Kind of agree with people that were saying that. I, I don't think I think they might have be been underrating her talent, but but it just I I think she might be just losing a little bit of that sharpness, and it, it might be tough for her from here on out. I got a feeling, and then. Bivol continues to disappoint. He's worth mentioning for that reason. The Salomov guy he was in with ended up basically for that level. For a, He wasn't legit top ten, and he showed in with anything difficult. And then with that, that safety first, that kind of more modern amateur that you see. You see the Cubans do it. You, know, you see the Cubans and guys from the former Soviet countries with that, you know, that jumping in and out with the jab. It's just, and, you know, again, doing it in the pros, you know, it's just like they're conditioned to it from the amateurs and from that old scoring system. And when you watch those kind of guys bring it, and b become one of those guys. And, and he showed some power earlier on. You know, people talk about Barrera, but even before Barrera, against some pretty tough guys who were kind of underrated. And you just don't see it now. He just. The amateur, to jumping in and out with the jab, and, and he, he's he's torture to watch right now the way he's fighting. Um, you know, and a, and a guy like that, I mean, he's not looking as good. You know, we've seen kind of guys who maybe they get a reputation of being a little bit avoided for a while when they're when they're doing this, and then the offense seems to shrivel up with those kind of guys as they get a bit older, and then they they end up getting decisioned by somebody anyway. You know, you know they get put in with somebody who throws a lot of shots and, and is aggressive and, and they get out hustled or something like that. He, he see, he seems like a guy that's, that's headed for that soon. If if he can't get some other big fight, like, you know, he's going to be in one of these fights with, with somebody that we're not thinking much of, but who throws a lot of punches and he's going to, he's going to get out hustled. Well, look, he had a pretty tough time with the Richards guy from the UK really to fight before this one, who was completely unheralded. So he, it could it could be coming, but it, it it looks like it looks like 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 I said I, I, on Twitter. I mean, you know, really a kind of almost kind of comparable guy would be Andrade, but but Andrade looks like George Foreman lately compared to Bivol, <laughs> I mean, with a couple of knockouts, even if it's lower opposition. Bivol's in with lower opposition, you know. I mean, at least Andrade got a couple of these guys. At least Andrade got quickly out of there, two rounds. You know, Bivol's going the distance with these guys, so that that was uh, that was disappointing. And then just just an old veteran, it was surprised to see Hank Lundy Lundy legitimately get blown away by Davis. Um, that was a surprise. So what the heck? Even though Lundy's obviously passed his best, and he has been stopped before, but but he just had a durable performance against Zapata. I agree with what everybody else there, and and Zapata yep. came back strong. so. You know, Davis, I mean, again, with the Alphabet stuff, will Her, maybe overhype it. You know, they're talking about positioning for Alphabet belts and stuff. But just for the guy, it, it was, even though Lundy's 37, it, it was a good win getting him out of there like that. So it, it is at least worthy of mention because then at least Davis deserves to be in a, in a, in a little better fight next time
2: around. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. I forgot about that, uh, that Lundy fight. Um, didn't he hang him up too? Did he say he hung him up? I think I saw a post. I
3: don't know if he did, but it would be, it would definitely be time after that,
2: you know, at his age yeah. and, um,
3: you know, get, getting, getting stopped like that at this point. Um, no, no need to go on, but, uh, yeah, it paid, paid off for Hearn and company and matchroom to to bring him over to the UK for that one. So, uh, so that uh, that 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 did uh, that did work out for him.
2: So as far as this weekend, like I said, I mean, there's just it's hard to spend a bunch of time on each one. And to be honest with you, some of them are just gonna happen, you know. Uh, hopefully, they're more two way competitive than some of them look on on paper. Some of them are really competitive, and some of them are undercard, like I mentioned earlier. One that really stands out, though, is Michelle Soro against Madrimov. So Soro and Madrimov. Um, I like this fight a fair amount. Um, you know, obviously Madrimov has a lot of, I mean, anyone now from Uzbekistan or Ukraine or whatever, and they have, a. you know, some of them have still great amateur careers. Some of them are coming out a little earlier than they used to just because that makes a lot of sense because they're seeing the success of Usyk and Lomachenko and, and just in that region in general. Um, two fights ago, I believe it was Eric Walker that he, he, he definitely had um, a rough go at it. Uh, his last fight, he won fairly cleanly. I, I do remember, um, well, I know he scored a knockdown, but, or maybe two, but, it, you know, they're, they, I don't know. Madrimov, speaking of, of that leaping, you know, that leaping hook, um, and just leaping when you punch in general, Madrimov could take it to another level when it comes to that. Right. I've definitely noticed. Soro, um, yep. you know, he's a good quality fighter. I don't believe he's been stopped. He's, he's been a pro for a long, long time. Um, you know, he it doesn't really have a lot of, you know, I'd say this is already like 2017-18 that uh, Castaño fight. Um, that was a, you know, it was a loss, but a split decision loss and it got a little, I remember it got tied up in that um, interim WBA stuff and uh, Castaño ended up getting screwed out of that, I believe, now that I remember. Um, but he's been around for a long time. You know, he's got some draws, uh, the the Douglas fight. I mean, that seems like it was like six years ago or something like that. So he's been around for a while. We kind of know him. uh, But he's a good fighter. He's definitely a good fighter. And I think at this stage, um, I like this fight. I want to see, you know, they have Madrimov on, you know, more of a fast uh, pace, fast track, you might say. Um, Kinsoro give him a good run for his money, and maybe even pull an upset here.
3: Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. I do agree. This this is not a hipster thing. This really is a good fight that's under the radar. Um, I'm on board with this one. And you're right. does. he's the perfect segue because he is a guy that has lapsed sometimes into that amateur style I was just talking about. You know where where he he jump you know he's got the amateur pedigree but he starts jumping in and out. Um, Soro has been a really good underrated pro. I feel for at least like five years, like you said, even going back to the Antoine Douglas fight when when Douglas wasn't ruined yet as a prospect and he held him to a draw. Um, you know when when Glen Tapia, of course he turned out to be over the hill, but still he had won some fights since the Kirkland fight and, you know, Soro you know, blew him away when he was the underdog. That was really impressive. Like you said, he fought Castanio close to even and, you know, we've seen how good Brian Castanio is and he's got an excellent amateur pedigree. I think, you know, my question going into this one probably just is why, where I haven't even been more excited is just, you know, how ready is Soro. um, just in terms of he hasn't taken any beatings or anything, but uh, just the activity level, you know, where's he at? Um, you know, hasn't been, been as active as he had been in the past. Uh, I think, you know, with that, if he answers that question, where in a positive manner. In other words, if this is the sorrow, you know, was in with Castaño and, and that we're used to seeing, I think he's definitely capable of pulling the upset in this fight because he's got a good offense. So, you know, when Madrimov is, is doing that amateur stuff, bouncing in and out, I mean, I mean, Soros can be active and hit him and he can hit him with some authority. Um, I, so I think if a good, if a good version of Soro shows up in this fight, he's, he's definitely capable of pulling the upset. And he, he's quite a bit, quite a bit of a dog, a, a bit more than I would have thought. I was just checking it, checking on it before, uh, before we went yeah. on and, uh, I'm up again. He's a he's up on DraftKings. He's plus three twenty. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I
3: I guess I would have to say. I mean, you know, am I going to write out and say he's definitely going to win? But I I would say if this is the sorrow I, I've seen in the past and and you know that version shows up, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't hesitate to put money on him here and uh, and and go for the upset because I think uh, that's a that's that's. I feel comfortable saying that's a good price on him. You know, uh, so I I like the fight. I'm with you. I think, you know, arguably it it could end up being the fight of the weekend, even with all the factions.
2: Yeah, I think so. And I'm even seeing them uh, on FanDuel plus 350, uh, BetMGM plus 350 as well. So, yeah, I thought that would be somewhere in the 200s, maybe plus 185, plus 220 or something like that plus two, whatever. But yeah. yeah, that's, that's a good price. I think that's a really good price. Um, and that, I think that's definitely worth, uh, you know, taking a flyer out. Um, boy well, he we might as well just stay. Uh, well, let's see what else is on that card.
1: Um,
2: uh, was it? It was, uh,
3: I just, I just took a fly. I just, we, we talked ourselves into it as we're speaking. There I you just go. took a flyer on, so I just took a flyer <laughs> on Zoro as we were speaking. So you started, you started nice. to make me think, yeah, it, it really actually is worth taking a flyer on that one.
2: I mean, I think so. Uh, well, Ramirez and Gonzalez, you know, there's not much in that fight. It sure would be nice to have, uh, you know, Zerto, uh, you know, get in there with it this will get them a wba uh light heavyweight eliminator let's see if they actually call it um but some interesting the Sparza and ortiz fight has a chance to really pop i think the lamont uh roach jr and renee alvarado that's the fight that i was kind of eyeballing there that's pretty interesting too and like i said there there is a fair amount of uh you know, mismatches or, or whatever, stay busy fights, or maybe it'll be just a good TV fight. But I actually really like, um, I like that Lamont, uh, Roach, Renee Alvarado. And, um, I'm gonna, it's, it's a very, it, I, I don't know how much of a major upset it is or anything, but I'm, you know, if Alvarado, this is the time to, to, to get a big win. You know what I mean? He's been around for a little bit, but, And then Lamont Roach, I just like this fight. I'm looking at it, plus 142, plus uh, 175 for Alvarado. That's the highest I see at plus 175. And Roach, you know, minus 240, 250 is the highest there. For me, that's a really interesting fight where it's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to call it a crossroads fight per se, but I think that one at the end of the weekend could stand out as well.
3: Now Chris on that one I do disagree with you a little bit and I think you're right in terms of matchup it might be competitive so it might end up uh it might end up being a competitive fight, even an entertaining fight, but where I where I just maybe disagree with you a little bit is I don't think either of those two guys are going anywhere. I mean, Alvarado's never really impressed me. I'm not I've never really been particularly impressed by Lamont Roach either. So for me I think that's kinda of like a, a golden boy putting two guys putting two guys who aren't really going going anywhere together. Now, you may be right. It may end up being and you know, the odds are close may end up being an entertaining fight, but I don't I for me that those guys just Neither of those two are going anywhere. Um, so that's fair. I think you're.
2: I didn't necessarily yeah, I, I mean just, like, man, the winner of this is going to get a big fight, but uh, I think competitiveness. It could be a, a tight fight, but I agree with you as far as like, yeah, I mean, oh man, he wins this one, dude. He's top five or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> clarification. Yeah,
3: yeah. I just wanted to say that. Right, you may you may be yeah, entertained yeah. by that one, and I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you. It might be competitive, but. But I don't like to me. I go even far as I, I don't. I don't think either of those two guys at this point. Like, if if people be advocating for the winner of that to be legit top ten level, I, I would say no. Um, so that's just my my thought on that one. But yeah, getting back briefly to you mentioned unesky Gonzalez and uh, Ramirez. You know, I, I liked unesky Gonzalez. I thought he should have gotten that decision against Pascal. Mm. Lost those. A great tight fight against Shabransky when Shabransky was still fighting well and and hadn't kind of been been beaten up and lost it. Um, but then you know, no shame in the sense that a very good fighter. I mean, Davodstik had probably his career best performance and and blew away uh, Gonzalez. And then you kind of just didn't hear from him again after that. And he's been fighting a little bit, winning, but just not real active. It's like i 36 years old now. Um, Ramirez has looked pretty good to me lately. I mean, he's got tremendous size, you know, even for light heavyweight, even though he was at 168, he's got great size for light heavyweight, 175. I don't think it's a joke when he talks about moving up to heavyweight. He's actually talked about that a bit lately,
1: even though
3: I know it's one step at a time, but he's big. You know, I don't, I don't think, and, and you know, he is, Aggressive and will work the body, like I said about him. A lot of times, strange thing about Zerdo Ramirez that I, I can never really think of another fighter like it is. He's very, very effective with that body attack, and, and it, he can mount a vicious body attack. But his his accuracy and the way he throws to the head is strange. He's a much he's a much better body puncher uh, than anything else. Um, so I would just think he'd have too much left for like you say, you know, alluded to for UNESCO Gonzalez uh, at this point that, you know, Ramirez is arguably maybe going to be pe- about peaking, and Gonzalez has got to be past the best of what he ever had. And, you know, he came from the Cuban amateur system and stuff, so where they have a lot of fights uh, even as an amateur. So I, I just don't think – I don't see what he'd be able to bring at this point. You know, he's going to be right there for Ramirez. Ramirez should be able to uh, get him out of there.
2: Um, here's another prospect fight that you know. Right when he came out, Richardson Hitchens, I heard a lot about him. Um, you know, born in Brooklyn, so he had a little bit of hype behind him. Um, you know, he hasn't. I mean, the Mendez fight was a very competitive fight. I think that was his last fight. Um, other than that, though, hadn't really been you know, tested too much, and not to say that this is going to be just a major test or anything like that, but I feel like maybe an extra fight or two um, Hawkins has, has at least been in, um, as far as, you know, being able to test him and whatnot, and I don't know, I just, I haven't been all that um, I- I- impressed with uh, Hitchens. I just really haven't as an amateur or as a prospect on the way up. And, you know, he's barely favored in this fight. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it's funny because, oh, man, that's weird. I actually was looking at FanDuel, and they have it a tight fight, you know, uh, plus 136 for Hawkins. But then I'm looking at some other. Yeah, I didn't realize that. There is a, a plus 240 out there as well. Um, what do you think of Richard, uh, Richardson Hitchens? Uh, like I said, as a prospect, I still got to see a lot more from him to get, uh, thinking that he's going to climb a ladder and whatnot.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. Um, neither of these guys has impressed me much. You know, I was hoping for Hitchens sake, you know, he'd, he'd look a little, uh, look, look a little better against, uh. Someone like Mendez, um, Hawkins never Hawkins never impressed me. He, he really he really didn't you know He had that fight with Matias where he tried to bang with him a little bit and got blown away. I, I don't think he do much else. Um, he, he just uh, you know he, he had a couple of KOs before that, but just just watching him throughout his coming up. You know Hawkins. I just didn't think he brought any pop and killed. And I, but I'm with you. Is you know Hitchens hasn't been that impressive either. You know uh, Mendez is a tricky veteran who can who can give you some trouble, but but still, you know you you would hope to be more impressive. And uh, you know couple of couple of decisions before that not that inspiring. I, I think both of these guys are. That's why it's interesting. The odds are close because I do see it that way. So they're both kind of on the same level of of prospect or non-prospect to me. So you know, obviously yeah. one of them is going to go on after this, and one of them is going to take a further step back. I would think he. You know, having watched them both, actually quite a bit because I I you know was always curious, especially PBC all the free cards and, and like what they're trying to do. So. You know that's one good thing is you get you got to you got to know some of these guys then you wouldn't have known them um, otherwise uh I think Hitchens is a little bit better with what he brings so I would think maybe a decision sure. for him um but but they are they are pretty close odds make sense to me um, I just don't yeah you know I'm not crazy about either of them like you and i I just Hawkins. I just haven't thought he was that talented. I mean, I almost thought like it's not that he was a big name or anything like that, but I just even almost thought at the point like when he, they had him in with Mateus that, you know, that was almost like a, yeah. a cash out for whatever le- for whatever level he had right. reached. You know, let's face it, even the guys at PBC, you know, any of these promoters, you know, deep down they know, and, and, you know, you see top rank just cutting guys and stuff. Now, you know, there can be different philosophies like that and pros and cons of both probably. But, you know, PBC, yeah. as we know, they have a different philosophy where, you know, Al Heyman likes to just keep staying with guys, you know. And, and like you said, there are pros and cons to that. I can see the pros. I can see the cons. So I'm not saying that, like, and obviously Hawkins, he didn't fail against Matias and then get cut or anything. But, you know, now he's in with Hitchens, and he'll probably lose that too and, you know, just be around. Yeah, he's not around, far from getting but,
0: cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: you know, it's like, yeah. all right, here you go.
2: Here's another chance. let see what happens. Then we may that's see That's what they goodbye. do with C B C
3: With top right, red, they're just going to say goodbye. And like I said, I'm not saying that's good, but it's a different philosophy. Yeah, sometimes TBC. that works
2: out better. You know, sometimes it's like, ooh, maybe you shouldn't have gave up on it. Like you said, there's pros and cons to to all of it.
3: Yeah. What you just reminded me, I thought that popped in my mind. We didn't mention what happened, but I thought about that with the cutting guys. I thought – well, they just had a Jogba lose to Frank Sanchez and since they've been cutting so many guys anyway, and they really haven't pushed the heavyweight series as much as you would have thought they would have when they started signing guys. I mean, why, why don't they just throw a Jogba in with Anderson at this point? And let, yeah. Anderson, That'd be a good fight for him. <laughs> Anderson's score, Anderson score, you would think, would get the win in that one. And, uh, you know, of course, a Jogba has power, so it, it keeps right. the fans interested.
0: I'm just saying yeah.
3: – yeah, instead of just before they, if they're thinking about cutting them, instead of just cutting them, what, what, how about putting them in with Anderson first? Uh-huh. Okay, but then back to this, back to this weekend. Yeah, so I, I would be, I'm with you. Neither of these guys to me are are real significant prospects, but I, I do think Hitchens looks a little bit better. So I agree with him being a slight favorite. I would think he should be able to uh, get a decision in this one.
2: Yeah, and then, like I said, some of the main events, you know, who really knows what Marcus Brown has at this point? You know, it's not like Better B be, has been, like, the most active guy. Uh, he's got that one really, really good win. And he just had, whether it's injuries, whether it's promotional stuff, he's just kind of been a start, stop-and-start type of guy. Uh, it does look like Dave Murrell Jr. They're looking to get him rounds. Fox is a guy that... A little while back got stocked by Liam Williams did go twelve rounds with Andre, so maybe they're kind of measuring stick. I think they're just trying to get him some rounds um, so Parker and chisora the rematch that everybody wanted right because it was like fight of the year and okay maybe not maybe not maybe I'm going overboard um, I do like chisora though like his personality and I gotta say, like win, loser, draw, that guy's resume is really, really deep. And shoot, I mean, he gave uh, Usyk a way better fight than Anthony Joshua. I mean, he was in that fight. He won like it was like a seven to five fight, eight to four fight, or something like that. Josoro was definitely in that one. But um, you know, what I'm hoping is that this one's a little bit more fun to watch because the first one was a bit of a stinker.
0: No. I, I I I was I
3: got I was kind of entertained by the first one. I didn't need a rematch, but uh, kind of entertained. I thought Chisora was close. I mean, you're right with his personality mm-hmm. and since he comes forward. I mean, he he's kind of one of those guys that is entertaining enough to watch. He keeps losing, but you know, there's enough entertainment. You'll watch it. again here, I mean, I am going to watch this uh, heavyweight. Right. You know, talent-wise, Parker is far more talented. Should handle him easily. I liked that. That I was really interested with that trainer matchup in the first fight. You know, you don't have that very often. But I was. You know, Andy Lee had joined the Parker corner, and Buddy McGirt was doing one of his reclamation jobs with Jasora And you know, Buddy McGirt is as good as anybody as a strategist out there in the corner. And I thought he did his job with Josora. A lot of people thought Chisora won the fight, and McGirt had a game plan for him. And to Chisora's credit, probably because of the stature of McGirt, even though Chisora is a veteran fighter, uh, where you would then sometimes see these guys not listening. I mean, he, he listened to instruction. I, I enjoyed watching that, and, and you know, he almost pulled off the upset. So I'm not completely counting him out. I don't. I'm not sure exactly what the trainer situation is going into this fight, um, but uh, you know, Chisora did. Did listen and like you said, he did give Usyk a pretty decent fight, especially when you know. And you do have to look at it. I mean, Usyk ended up beating Joshua, so you know a little more credit to Chisora there. Um, uh-huh. You know, Chisora's got to be in shape. You know, you see these moments people make fun of, but there's truth to it too. I mean, you know, he starts breathing yeah. hard or starts gasping. You know, he can't afford that. You know, you know Parker. Parker lets people off the hook with his lack of aggression. I mean, when when Parker opens up, he does have good boxing skill and offensive skill, and he is a competent boxer, but his problem is the inactivity in the ring. He just doesn't throw, and he was doing that in a lot of spurts against Chisora, and his corner had to get him to pick it up, and when he finally picked it up, uh, you know, I think it was enough to make it clear he, he secured the decision. Some people didn't agree. Uh, and you know people I respect. I mean, there were people I respect who thought Sora won that fight. I, I thought Parker did enough to win. Um, I again, I don't think we needed a rematch, but first fight was close. I mean, and I'm with you. It wasn't wasn't like a spectacular slugfest, but there were things but it was about competitive. I did, yeah, I did and, I'm not, and I'm not going to complain but,
2: about competitive fights, you know.
3: Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know Hearn her here. we didn't I really do think even now we didn't need this rematch, but I'm going to watch. there was enough, enough intriguing about the first fight, but I, I would think that Parker, as was the case in the first fight, Parker's still just got too much talent for him. I mean, Parker's just on a different level of talent even though the first fight was close and he, he should be able to do whatever he needs to do to win in there. And Jesor's got okay pop, but you know, even though he, he got the calm out there with basically a couple of shots, uh generally his game is not you know, he he's not a one punch puncher type guy. I mean he's right he's big. He's got power. I mean he's not underpowered or anything. He's got power as no, a sure. heavyweight he comes forward but but he's not generally outside of just a normal heavyweight you know some, some ferocious puncher that's you know like Parker's got to worry about getting caught by some monster bomb. I mean, it can happen at heavyweights and a punch is hard enough, but Parker does have a chin, and uh, I I don't think and he knows how to box, so I don't I don't think that's going to happen. So I, I would think Parker should be able to decision him, and, and if Parker fights all the way to the top of his game, you would think a, a late stoppage is, is possible, but. Uh, you know, if, if McGurk's in there with him again, uh, I'd like to see what kind of strategy McGurk comes up with because he always comes up uh, with something. So, uh, And he did, uh, you know, train Kisora for that last fight.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I like Parker by decision on that one, too. I did see, you know how photos can be misleading, especially when people have, like, they don't, like they're not training or anything like that. Sometimes you can see, someone right when they're done training and they just lost six pounds while they're training and their body looks good. Or sometimes like, for instance, when you go swimming and you swim a long time, you get out of the water, your body's going to look a lot better than before you went in. You know, just, that's just kind of a natural thing. Um, but I did see this photo that I was like, God, I hope your sword is in shape. You know, it's, it could have just been the angle and how he was kind of squatted down. But I was like, oh, that could be breathing heavy. Like you said, um, and then, um, by the way, li- who, who's ever listened in the browser, uh, 90 seconds, that will cut off. You can call 646-381-4990. That's 646-381-4990. You have over a minute to call in. The browser cuts you off. We do still have uh, an hour left of the live, you know, after the live stream. Just so you guys know now. Now we go from one rematch to another one. And this one was kind of a surprise one because Tommy Fury got hurt. But Jake Paul and Woodley part two, you know, I'm glad Amanda Serrano is getting some uh, love off of this. I do like that Jake is, uh, you know, promoting her. And and that's cool because, you know, I've always liked her as a fighter and women's fighting in general, any kind of push you can get. I'm all for, I'm not, you know, I'm not bought into this one. You know, the Tommy fear one where you're facing a boxer, uh, who's been around the sport, but hasn't been around the sport quite like his brother was and his father and all that. But, um, I get why they put in Woodley. I know he was training as a potential backup. Uh, but I got to say the second time around, it just doesn't do a whole lot for me now, hey, if it you know if there's a good fight i'll, I'll watch the replay someplace on daily motion, you know what would be at that point legally uh not necessarily live stream it illegally, but um it's just I'm kinda kind of out on this one. It's kind of like been there done that. I know woodley you know put Jake on the rope or kind of almost threw the rope um but he got hurt not long after that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I just – I'm not – maybe it's just because there's such a collage of stuff. It's just kind of like, oh, by the way, Jake
1: Paul's fighting.
3: <laughs> uh, Chris, I see it the exact same way. You know, I've, I've been actually somebody who, even though I'm an old-school boxing guy, I, I, I've been okay with the Jake Paul thing. I mean, people know who he is. It brings entertainment. I thought it was cool that he wanted to box and not do MMA. Uh, just in terms of for the popularity of boxing. Uh, I I thought the way the stuff was packaged, even the first fight with Woodley on Showtime, I even surprised myself. I ended up buying in and enjoying myself. Um, but we're getting pay-per, pay-per-viewed out here. I've been saying yeah. it. You, know, you can try to say it's it a different market. Since October, we've been getting
2: just pay-per-viewed. We've been getting hit over the head with pay per view since October.
3: Yeah, we're getting pay-per-viewed out, and I go back to, I think, the year. I'd have to look, but it was around 2015. This is worth bringing up again because I think it is it's getting back to an old problem with the sport. You know, like, like the way I saw it kind of generally, the way it fits in with kind of this Paul pay-per-view, even though some people argue about it's a different thing, but, hey, it's showtime putting it on you know and Showtime does uh, obviously does a lot of boxing still but you know you got to, you got to around 2015 or so um you know when HBO was still in there and show i mean they they were just they just started running more and more pay per views and you know boxing fans were subscribed to premium cable because that's where they were seeing their boxing you know for me there wasn't even any charm to it. I mean, ESPN's Friday night fights were basically garbage. They'd been for a long time at that point. I mean, it was just the lowest of the low. So, you know, I didn't even count that as really being a free. T- it was a free TV series, you know, basic cable, but it just didn't count. It the only significant fight they had thrown on Ariola two, uh around that time, which was a surprise, but was good. But but that was the exception, not the rule. You, you just that was like like a. a that was like a dinosaur, like that came out of nowhere, you know, the <laughs> extinct species that popped up out of nowhere. But getting my point is, kept running the pay-per-views, then the, the regular HBO and show cards were getting worse and worse, and, you know, the ratings the ratings started dropping, and the pay-per-view buys started going to the tank, let's face it. The exceptions were, you know, Floyd Mayweather, and then the the boom that was Mayweather-Pacquiao, because, Remember, Pacquiao's pay-per-view numbers had even started to tank. So, you know, his individually after being strong initially. So, or had built up to being strong. So so then everybody just got in this thing where they couldn't make any money on other pay-per-views, but they didn't want to pay for the fights on regular HBO or regular show. So they were all just waiting for, you know, what, what's what's the next, you know, Mayweather thing going to be and you know you had made whether mcgregor then did it like that but you know then, then things were shriveling up and then PP, P- pbc finally said i think intelligently look we got to get something out there where people can see it build this base back up you know before we start doing this pay-per-view thing again and you know they, they did it to a degree but a little prematurely started going heavy with the pay-per-view and uh, you know, like you said, Bizones talking about it now, and and uh, you know, Top Rank just had one with PBC, um, so now you know we're, we're getting bombarded with them, and they're talking about more to come. What I'm saying is, to me, we've already seen this movie; it's not going to yeah. work. Okay, so this, in other words, this model that we're drifting back into right now, we already know does. To me, we already know doesn't work. So they're going to have to face you know face the music soon that you're drifting back into a model that doesn't work, and you might not have the next Mayweather Pacquiao right at your fingertips. So you know why I'm talking about that with the Jake Paul, I have to draw the line. Yeah, up. and those no, guys don't have really Oscar thought...
2: either. You know, with, with right. Floyd and well, Manny had Oscar to fight, a lot of these guys don't have yes. a name like that beyond Canelo, you know?
3: And with respect to Floyd Mayweather, the way I always – I see the Mayweather success story a little different than some other people spin it now, too. I see it the way you did. Like, Floyd Mayweather was a guy, a good fighter going along, wasn't drawing any real big ratings or pay-per-view numbers for that time period, you know, was okay here and there. Um, and you know Gotti was a pretty big name at that time, and and you know he even had yeah. one with Gotti that did
2: okay and blew and away, Zap, and about you know about that. Judah one was right. good, you know,
1: but it took yeah, him a while to get. You know, there. It was doing
2: right, it was doing okay, but but
3: when they say that, I think the key to me then was because right, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, he he went back to ninety two Olympic exposure, kind of like the tail end of where you're really. Arguably, yeah, I think that probably would be a good point to draw that line. You know, the, the last Olympics where you really were getting that old school boxing exposure, like I remember the amateur. Think about this now. Compare, you know, you know like if you had this now, like the the uh, the uh, amateur Oscar De La Hoya was on the cover of Rolling Stone. I mean, we're not talking about the pro being marketed. We're talking about U.S. Olympian Oscar De La Hoya boxer you know, on the cover of Rolling Stone, which, you know, this is when Rolling Stone was big. So magazines were big. You got to go back uh, 30 years. So um, what I'm getting to with the Floyd was right. Floyd needed that door open to me. Like he had, he got the shot of fighting Oscar de la Hoya. I think what you said. And then that fight did a huge pay-per-view number. And then to me, then like Floyd Mayweather ran with it. It's completely to his credit. Like, mm-hmm. He took that audience that saw him, and then he built on it, was a great marketer, great fighter, Mm. and he ran with it and made himself even bigger. But, like, I felt like he kind of needed that – like, he needed Oscar to give him that shot, you know, and then he ran with it. But, like, I feel like – like, my own personal – I feel like if he never would have gotten the Oscar De La Hoya fight, I don't think it would have built that big. I mean, you know, we'll never know, but – I don't think it would have. But I think to Floyd Mayweather's credit, it's like somebody when they get a big opportunity. He made the absolute most of it and made himself into his own star from that point. So, you know, we're, we're still waiting. Like, like you know, there's hope in it. And it just, it may, it may not happen. I mean, you know, this is like lightning striking. And, and when that's their whole business plan strategy, because that's what I feel like they're doing with Tank Davis. And they, they almost kind of don't deny it, like, you heard a little talk about it with yeah. Errol Spence, who I love as a fighter. But then, look, Errol Spence, you know, he got in the accident, and then he got the eye injury. So, you know, obviously, those are things that happen. but that kind of threw that plan to the side. But what, what they were saying about Errol Spence, you know, like the, the pay-per-view people showed him everything, like kind of this idea like, like when they build a baseball stadium with small attendance to make the tickets seem more in demand. Like we're just going to have him on pay-per-view only. So it seems like an event and it's going to build from there. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's just like that small baseball park thing. I mean, sometimes that works, but sometimes it doesn't. In other words, sometimes just not that many people are seeing it. You know what I mean? Well, in and, Canelo, and it
2: is, it's not like Canelo's still at 160. So that would be the big fight to build to that fight's not going to happen. You know what I mean? He's already going to be at right. heavyweight anyway, you know?
1: So I think yeah, that was actually point. their
2: plan, you know? I think that was actually their long-term yeah. plan, but that's, that's not going to happen.
3: Right. But what I'm saying is, like, I don't think – yeah, you're right. And that's a good example. Like, Spence would have been Canelo and maybe – but, see, even Gervonta Davis doesn't really necessarily have that guy unless you think maybe that Ryan Garcia social media following things for real – He's on the zone, so we can't really test those numbers, you know, in terms of viewing. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, I don't know if, if – and I'm, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not going to claim I know, but let's just say that, that they're 200000 Like, I don't know if, you know, Gervonta Davis just being seen by $200,000 on a PPV every six months is going to automatically make him right. Pacquiao. Mayweather type star I, I mean no and I think that they really Honestly are tr- thinking that that's gonna ha- That that's what they're hoping for and That may not happen I mean I, I, don't, I don't know if he's already what 27 I mean I don't know if that happens you know with that style I mean you know what we're, were then making hey, the, I, guess, you know, I think run they're probably tape.
2: pretty Realistic that they don't they know they Don't have an Oscar to go fight um, Ryan Garcia clearly Is the biggest fight right now Lomachenko's a solid name But I also think that it's kind of like what they did once in a while with Morales and Barrera, where they can make a little money on these events, and it'll help Showtime's budget too. They can make a few million, and this is kind of—it's funny because I got a message last week, and I made a list of all these pay-per-views that did under three hundred thousand, some of them under two hundred thousand, that had big names in them. Oscar De La Hoya did two you know, pay-per-views that were under, that were in the 200,000 range. Uh, Geraldo Hernandez and whatnot. But it was just a different climate. You know, Trinidad was there. I mean, a lot of Mosley. There was a lot of fights in front of them. And it is a little bit, it is a little bit different. I really think it is. They can make some money off it. So this is what we're going to do. You know what I mean? It's just like a, I think you're right. Not, you know, not a far-ranging plan per se.
3: I think you're right. That was that. That was like that circa. I just that's the year I keep pulling out because it's when I felt like PBC felt correctly the need to do something different, and then HBO got out a few years later. So like, I'll just keep saying like circa 2015. I agree with you. I mean that's what they were doing circa 2015. You're right. They just for their budget they thought well we got to make these pay per view and it makes our budget you know just enough to work. But you're right. It's not about getting anybody exposed it's not about a long term and eventually that spiraled into the gutter for him where it just didn't work anymore and i think it's going to happen again so like i think like the jake paul i'm with you like
2: yeah let's get i was one of the
3: guys like who who was saying i'm going to buy the jake paul anyway and i felt the same exact thing with you on this one on short notice i'm not saying they had a better option but paul woodley too with with a most likely under-trained woodley it just doesn't do it for me. I mean, and with the undercard, it's not good enough. And I'm like, no, you know, maybe I break down at the last second or something. But I, I can't say I can't see breaking the wallet out for this one. I, I, I can't. I mean, with everything else, I mean, I was already kind of reluctantly saying, even though I know darn well it shouldn't be pay per view. I mean, they're going to give me that Ortiz Martin, and it's all heavyweights, and it's going to be at a quote unquote discounted price. You know, for, for the 45 or whatever it's going to be I'll probably, right. on New Year's night I mean, I'm probably going to get that But then I'm looking at it like you I'm like, you know, you can only get abused Even as a hardcore boxing follower Yeah,
2: so that's much. a perfect Fox fight yeah. too You know, Ortiz but, Martin Sign would, me up for that on a Fox fight That'd be great, you know be Alright, cool, that'll it, be a good scrap We know that, you know Like
1: entertainment. Yeah, it would have
3: been a perfect Would have been a perfect Fox card And I think it would have been a Fox card It's just that they're doing the calculations just like you said. Now, even with Fox, it's saying, you know, Mm -hmm. we we can't get enough advertisers to even make or Ortiz and Martin and that whole card worth it. We're not going to do that anymore starting in 2022. I mean, I I think Keith Eidek's real credible. You know, he wrote for the North Jersey Papers. I, I like him a lot as a writer. You know, because I think he's, already, it looks like he's already right. I mean, you know, he said this, what, two, three weeks ago, and people were kind of looking at it like, where are you getting that from? But I think he's right. And, you know, Showtime owns boxing scene, you know, CBS, Viacom, Showtime. So it's, and, you know, they do PBC, PBC. So it's not like he's some anti-PBC crazy out there. He said, what, yeah, yeah. Two, three weeks ago on Twitter, Fox is out. You know, Porter's doing his own commentary. Uh, you know Martin and, and Ortiz are pay-per-view. In other words, Fox ain't Fox's Not going to give you a a Fox or an FS1 card anymore, starting 2022. And you know it almost does fit. Like you got Mill, Mickey. Oh, he's saying it was Spencer. just
2: pay-per-view on Fox.
3: Yes, that's what he's yes. saying.
2: Oh, Okay, saying. I didn't hear that part. 2022.
3: 2022. Okay. okay. 2022.
2: Yeah. 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 So, yeah. They, he's so they 20, they they picked up the option just to make a little bit of money. On pay-per-views yeah. is what he's saying, basically? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. All
3: right. Yeah. And he's saying okay. that, which I would tend to believe, he's saying, look, Al Heyman knows what he's doing too much. You know, he, he's too smart. He's too powerful. If if Sean Porter is popping up on his zone on commentary. And again, this is not an anti-PBC guy. Quite the contrary. You know, he's saying, you know, no, yeah, Al he's, fair. Gave the he's very fair. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just saying for all we know, the way boxing stuff works, I mean, that might have been like Al Heyman saying that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, I mean, it could have been said, you know, because to me it's making sense. Like, I thought it was nonsense before Keith said it, but, like, there was a little bit of rumor saying Meal Mickey is going to be the last Fox card. And, you know, it was a weird one, Christmas night, 2021. And then we've got a week later, literally, we've got Ortiz Martin, a typical Fox card, on pay-per-view for a discounted price so that kind of looks like to me the circumstantial evidence of what keith idick says looks like it's probably reality so
2: you know it, again yeah, when to... you read their quarter reports when you read their quarter reports they were making money on those pay-per-views so they put it right in there yep. so yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt that i hadn't heard that only pay-per-views i hadn't heard that part but the more i think about it it's like huh Yeah, maybe that will be the case. I mean, ultimately, we'll find out. But because the other rumored fight that we hear about is supposedly a discounted pay-per-view as well. So, yeah, we'll see how that works. But, yeah, Eidick is a very fair uh, reporter just in general. We like to, you know, we talk about Jake Donovan and a a variety of other, well, not, not that variety, but, you know, at least some solid, you know, consistent, I guess that's the thing, consistent, reporting so i think that is uh i think that's fair any other items uh before we get you out of here sir
3: no i just agree with you chris i'd say like you talk about like jake and keith i mean i look at them like and it doesn't mean there aren't others out there but you correctly mentioned them like like they're like real writers you know what i mean right <laughs> they're not like they're looking
2: to get it right or, they're not worried yeah, about what this side guy. this back no.
3: right they're like real writers They're like real reporter writers. So, you know, you can take, you can usually take that stuff seriously. Like, yeah, that's like your old classic journalistic type standards a little more. So um, yeah, that's what I think. And Keith was the one that said that he's the only one that said it about the Fox and he's the only one that said it about the Porter, but you know, I'm looking at it here. We're two weeks left in the year. And I'm like, that looks like it might be accurate. I mean, you know, Sean Porter popped up on the Zone doing commentary, and you know, Fox. You have one week non the, the last week of 2021. It's on regular Fox on Christmas night, and one week later, the first night of 2022, it's a pay per view on a fight that nobody would have thought would have been a pay per view. So
2: yeah, you got to really it wonder. It doesn't matter if it's half the price or not. It's still it just it's like, no thanks, you know?
3: Yeah, it shouldn't be. And even for the most hardcore nut, and I've gone through, I got to admit, I've been up and down in my boxing following life where I'll legitimately, like, go on a boycott, like, for the reasons we're saying and hold to it. Like, really, you know, I mean, for a a long period of time. But I've also been on the other end where I'm being like, I just want to enjoy boxing, and I like even sometimes some of these characters even if it shouldn't be a pay-per-view and I'm buying it and I've gone on those streaks, So I was kind yeah, of cool. opening up the purse fringe right. doing that, but I'm with you. You know, before I go like Jake Paul, I'm like, nah, you know, not, not with the Woodley rematch with all these other pay-per-views. And then I saw, you know, you kind of teased it. So it's worth throwing out as we wrap, as I wrap up, you know, Thurman Barrios. I mean,
0: you know, you
3: know that, and that fits with what we're talking about. I mean, that's late January talking about a, a pay-per-view Um it, it it this can't this can't sustain. It, it it really can't. It hasn't in the past and it can't now. I mean things have even changed more so uh
2: and, and you've got yeah, less it's short space money to build on. It's definitely short money. Yeah, it's and that's been boxing issue money, for the longest time. You know? Yeah. So I don't know then
3: where it I don't know where it all ends up yet, but uh that's why I mentioned at the at the start of when we were talking that top rank's still throwing stuff out on regular ESPN. The way things have shifted, I mean, that might be the last ditch attempt at getting some broader exposure for the sport as, as long as they keep keep with that. Um, yeah. But they're still announcing stuff, so I guess they're going to do it at least for a while. But, that's, but we'll say I do think Morrell and Fox is a mismatch. I mean, you know, Liam, Liam Williams can't stop any higher-level guys. You know, he stopped Fox. Like you said, Andrade went to a decision with him. But I think it's a mismatch. You know, Morell's for real to me. But again, this is a Fox headliner. and Not good. Fits kind of what we're saying. And as we're wrapping up 2021, I mean, that's, that's just not good. You know, it's just not. I mean, Morell's for real, but the matchup is just garbage. It's just garbage. So, uh, and, you know, that's Fox getting stopped by Liam Williams at 160 pounds. You know, now he's fighting Morell at
2: 168.
3: Yeah. That's the difference? I mean, because, you know, Fox is, you know, lanky. Thin guy. I mean, uh, it just—it looks like they're good. just
2: trying to get him some rounds. You know, here, here's some rounds. Yeah, get some rounds in. And, and I don't think this—I don't think
3: this one will go rounds. I, I think even though Morel's not <laughs> that aggressive, uh, he can get over. But he is more aggressive than
2: Andre. There. You're right. It, yeah, he does look and, to and not he'll get, not an get an you o- out of there. Yeah.
3: yeah, he'll get an overmatched guy out of there. So I think that's a—that's a bad headliner. That's—that's going to be a mismatch, and uh, that's about it. We got a lot to. Uh, we got a lot to watch this weekend, but but I'm with you. The Jake Paul thing, I kind of was liking it. He was an underdog against Tommy Fury, that made it interesting. Fury been boxing, uh, but this underprepared Woodley, not going to do it because Jake Paul wasn't close to knocking him out. So I think you know he might just get maybe an easier decision this time. But I mean, what's that really going to do for us? Uh, you know, not much. So and it's not an, it's not good enough of a card all the way around. So, uh, not, yeah, not no, a, not at all. Not a not a good one. Not a good one in the midst of the pay per view bombardment.
2: Well, either way, enjoy the weekend. We'll definitely be back uh, next week to talk it through.
3: Yep. Thanks for having me as always, Chris. Have a good night.
2: Yep. Have a good one. Some other I'm in about, about to go to Carcino. Gongora Richards. That is a tightly, tightly match. I've actually heard some folks in the U.K. talking about that. Plus 130 for Richards, plus 140, plus 115, plus 105. The highest is minus 177 that I'm seeing for uh, Gongora. I think Gongora wins, but that's probably a good competitive fight. See, a lot of this stuff is going to be, like I said, the undercard stuff that's really going to give you – the potential for a competitive fight uh, because a lot of the main events are just kind of getting them out there eh, it's just sort of Parker's a close fight on paper to an extent um, and also I mentioned that uh, that Jose uh, Venezuela um, for a prospect level fight I do like that against Dulé Dulay's a good fighter uh, we've seen him multiple times for a prospect level fight I do like that um, so that should be a good fight Anyway, let's go ahead and bring in Carcino, of course Carcino for life, YouTube and Patreon and all that good stuff. Carcino, man, what's going on, buddy? How the hell are you, man? How's the weather oh, down man, there, man. How's the weather? Glad you get here, man. Glad here, Are you getting, some of, there, are you getting here, some of man. this tornado stuff?
1: Yes, are you any I am. Getting the tornado <laughs> stuff
2: too. Golly, it's lightning like crazy out right now. I feel like we're in July.
1: Man, it is crazy out here. I'm looking at it like I can't even believe what's happening. Dude, five days
2: ago, it snowed 12 inches, and basically the snow is almost gone, and it just, it literally on Friday, snowed 12 inches. Today, it was like a high (laughs) of 57. It's melted a bunch of it, and now it's, you know, just raining cats and dogs, and the wind's picking up. It's supposed to get up to like 70 miles an hour wind and shit. That's crazy, oh, man. man. It's December, too. This is December.
1: <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Yeah, I've been in the house working all day, man. I had to make up for the whole birthday weekend thing. So, it was just, like, crazy. <laughs> all the news yeah, I bet. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, this news and everything that's flying around here, like, today has been, like, a whole Twitter war going on with... <laughs> Leonard Ellerby like if if, yeah. I'm like, if people knew how much Leonard Ellerby don't even talk in real life, this is what it's so <laughs> it's funny now because he's like the quietest guy in the world he really doesn't he don't really used to never do interviews really and uh, didn't really speak that much he's very nice guy. Now it's it's entirely like he's the he's got to be the face because Floyd's not there. So Leonard he's very start.
2: active on Twitter now. You're all right. The last year or so, it's been it's been a lot more active. Him and Eddie Hearn are like the most active guys on Twitter now. <laughs> it's like, damn, that's all they yeah, do is sit on Twitter been, all day. Eddie's always been that guy. That's true. That's been him. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're so, used to that. Right, so right away Eddie was used to being on there, and uh, seeing Leonard Ellerby come on there, he normally would retweet something or make one post and be done. Now he's fighting with fans. <laughs> he's, just, he's arguing with people in, in boxing, like media, and people he's not even. Here. And, all of our pay-per-view numbers and everything else. And I'm like, man, this is crazy this week. This whole week's been crazy. All, all because Terrence Crawford called out uh, Errol Spence. A lot of this is happening. I'm like, Errol Spence is not really represented by Leonard Ellaby at all. So Yeah, no, I didn't even sense. know that
2: had anything to do with it. <laughs> I thought it was just because, you know, people are looking for Tank to fight someone in the top five next
1: fight. Well, see, that's the thing, is that they're crying about how Tank doesn't get the respect and how you guys respect right, right. him, Tank, and
2: and the way
1: he's not on the pound-for-pound pound list and, and, you know, disrespectful. This guy put it on the line every night. It's not about that. It's who you're fighting. <laughs> like, I mean, really, it's just Pedraga. <laughs> like somebody else stated, and now I agree 100%. It's been soft town. And, like, before this, he was fighting Roley. Does, does Roly even have 15 fights? <laughs>
2: I mean, Roley. I was so, so like, glad when Roly got thrown off that card, to be honest with you. I was so happy when that cruise came back. On. I was like, yes, dude. Thank God. Roly already lost. shouldn't have been They're in that spot anyway. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. it, yeah. I wouldn't run. doubt that. Yeah, I agree. I think that will be... They'll fight in 2022
1: sometime. I, I'd have to agree yeah. with that. They're talking about a spring fight with Tank. Once again, because Tank is his manager, so he can force... He's like, I can force... Oh, that's right,
0: it. yeah. Right, that's So right.
1: he forced the fight the first time, and they pulled it because of this legal thing, so once he take that over... He's like Paint gonna have to give up the belt or fight me in the spring. Cause he's like, that's why I made the fight happen because he's in my division. Uh I it's my mandatory and I can force them to, you know, they either gotta fight me or else. So that's it. So I I really didn't uh I get it, but I can see why Floyd was like, All right, cool. really it is. So Rowley's a bigger guy, but I think this was a better fight for Tank because this guy doesn't jab and cruise; He just comes right in like Mike Tyson. But like like Tyson did, at least throw a jab. But he made Tank uncomfortable a little bit by fighting on the run and moving and using the ring. Something Tank could do back when he was younger, but now he's normally been walking guys down. But his last two opponents that was of note was Leo Santa Cruz, who was fighting out of his weight class? So, that really
2: he fought well finish. in the fight, though I'll say that. One yeah, thirty not Leo's weight, but he fought good. He fought yeah, good. Yeah, I mean everybody fought good. I mean Gamboa fought yeah, good. Yeah, Barrios, that's a good point. Yeah, Barrios was up, Barrios up on the card.
1: He he was losing. Uh, some people thought he was losing the Barrios the Barrios fight,
2: and Barrios yep, a lot of was weight
1: drained. People. Right, he was weight drained. To, to take the fight. <laughs> so he came in there weight drained, so he was, like, not going to fight at that weight class. He was completely drained of weight to make weight for that fight. But he yeah, he knew he was going but up, that's for sure. Yeah. So he made weight, did the fight anyway, and the fight was close. So Tank is not, like, blowing these guys out of the water. You know, a lot of these fights are very competitive, and
0: yeah.
1: yeah, he got the stoppage in these fights. And I was like, I was impressed he got the stoppage over Barrios, even though Berrios was, you know, drained and everything. I was like, man, he landed some good shots. He fought really well. Uh-huh. I thought he looked really good in that fight. This fight, I felt like he, he was looking good in his spots, and I said, well, this is the kind of fight he can win. The other guy doesn't jab, so you can dictate the pace all night long. You can matador him, to, you know, start your offense. You just got to be able to deal with his punches. And he was just a little too small. That guy Cruz was too small for him. Uh, but when he hurt his hand, he wasn't able to adjust, and he lost those rounds, which made the fight close on the scoring mm-hmm. card.
2: So it's the same yep.
1: thing with Danny Garcia and Errol Spence Jr. Arrow um, got – like headbutted, they headbutted each other, and it really affected Arrow. And Arrow kind of like laid back all the way from <laughs> and gave up like rounds nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. I was like, my goodness, Danny Garcia won all those rounds just by being active. And I'm like, Arrow was just trying to get through the rounds, and people missed that. You know, because he was so dominant early on in the fight that everybody just totally forgot about what Danny Garcia did at the end of the fight and actually made the fight close. It was actually a 7-5 fight. When it was, I didn't see a 7-5. Fight. But yeah, I didn't see 7-5, fight. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, he swept those last rounds. Arrow did not do anything in those last rounds. He gave those rounds away because he felt like, I'm up big. Let me go ahead. And, yeah, it wasn't like a 7-5 fight, but if you score it and go back and score the fight, you're going to say, well, it's either 8-4 or 7-5, even though Arrow won. But these last rounds were all won by Danny Garcia. And I'm like, that's only because something happened after Arrow got the headbutt. He totally shut down. And even in the post fight, he just like, I'm not ready. I'm going back to this. Um, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to train some, you know, get back stuff back because, yeah, I didn't feel like myself. And he was saying that, like, yeah, that's conditioning. He was going back to the other old ways, his old strength and conditioning coach. He tried to do it himself. And he think he lost something in doing it. So he wanted to go back to his old strength and conditioning coach. And at that point, I knew he was never thinking about fighting um, Terrence Crawford, and the only way it's gonna happen is something like this was to happen, where they make someone the mandatory because <laughs> the mandatory got beat last week, but <laughs> for, for the IBF. So now it's like, well, he was <laughs> he would have been the mandatory. <laughs> And I think today, the IBF, when it made Terrence Crawford the mandatory, I think. You think IBF's going to do
2: that? It's very rare. It has happened, though. It has happened before, um, but it's very rare that that happens. Because they got that dumb freaking champions are generally not ranked, which is always the stupidest thing. Uh, But the sanction belts, you know, they, they, they don't rank other champions, which is always... Just ignorant, you know, but they can do it, it's legal, but they generally don't, you know
1: well, my thing is, I feel that and this is this they should it should be enforced because you're you you're telling these champions, look, this is the big fight, this is the money. The IBS and the WBC need to be on board because for them, this is your payoff. This is your big money. You're going to let your big money fight go down the drain. Because you you are doing this and pampering to these champions before it costs you money. You're sanctioning fights and getting paid on these little meaningless fights instead of making events that you can get more money for, for your sanctioning fees and everything else. These are the fights the fans want to see. You could possibly have a trilogy here. And you better get it now before, you know, it's too late and the people don't want to see it anymore. You know, because we're almost at the point where somebody's going to lose. And then no one's going to really care about it anymore, and it's going to lose the weight. I remember um, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. People watch the fight, but it doesn't have the same, you know, like impact. It's or, a
2: great, it's a great action fight, but yeah, it's it's it is different. It's a little different. There's no
1: doubt about it. Right? You know, that's what I'm saying. Before this was going to be the biggest heavyweight fight period ever. Now that's going to be Tyson Fury. Versus what, useless? Because <laughs> now it's like, okay, if one of them gets beat, eh, it doesn't matter, they, they get beat all the time. Well, we'll get a good fight. We'll tune to watch it, but it won't be as massive. Because guys have been losing. When Pacquiao fought Mayweather, everybody wanted to see what it looked like, but no one, you know, the people who really thought many could stop them, that group, once he lost and got knocked out by Marquez, that ass was gone. Now, Manny can be knocked out. So, it's possible that he
2: could lose. Plus, that. that's a different fight. But you yeah. know, both those guys are so popular, you know what I mean? Because there were plenty of people that still thought, uh, you know, Pacquiao would do it. But it's not even – it's 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 hard to compare that because those guys both could do such good
1: numbers on their own, you know, for a while. So, yeah, I don't know who who in the world actually truly believed that because I don't think a pep tart was still rolling at that time. Now, I think they were Well, I've talked to many, many of them,
2: dude. I talked to many of them, got many direct <laughs> messages
1: like, and all that many shit, many, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, I also made some money off them, too.
1: But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 I mean, those were the few hangar-ons, yeah. but, but the ones yeah. around me, most of them kind of smart enough. But yeah. I, Boy, it might just win. <laughs> so,
2: what'd you think of uh, you know Lomachenko now? Ever ever since taking that loss to Mimo, you know he's had two really good, solid solid outings where he's you know looking pretty sharp, looking pretty uh, healthy. If that shoulder was giving him you know issues or whatever, um, it kind of looks like you know, he's lined up for a big fight, whether, you know, you know, you Bob Arum saying that he's going to try to get the WBO to call the, speaking of mandatory, call the mandatory. Um, we'll see if that happens, but I thought Loma, you know, bounced back nicely off uh, these last two performances and he's definitely geared up for a big fight here in
1: 2022. Well, I'm thinking that, um, I'm thinking Lomo, uh, he, to me, he looked good. He looked a little flat-footed, a little bit more than I expected. He sat down on a lot of shots with Comey, uh, something I didn't think was going to happen. But Comey gave him some uh, problems a little bit in the fight. Like, he gave him some, a little complicated, a little something to think about. So I think size and power would affect him. If he, if he gets in the ring with somebody that's uh, – got some physical, you know, power to get his respect. But other than that, um, I don't really see too many problems for him. Uh, I'm trying to think, who could he fight? Well, he's trying to and, get that
2: Cambosis fight, you know, like everybody else. Uh, but yeah, Bob was saying yeah, the WBO, you know,
1: but... Yeah, and that's going to be difficult because... Cam Vols is uh, – I think he's got to fight Devin Haney. I don't know if that's going to be mandatory that he got to do that. Uh, well, it's definitely not I a mandatory know. because the WBC
2: franchise doesn't have mandatory. That's why that belt <laughs> is so bullshit. But, yeah, he doesn't have to. That's what sucks about this, Garcia. These belts and the rankings, it just it just clogs stuff up, up so much. But I don't know. I think Haney, I think Eddie's going to go out of his way to overpay Campbell's and get Devin Haney a fight. That's what I think.
1: I mean, that can happen. That can actually happen because if he goes out of his way and make that payment and get in that fight, right away he's already told himself, okay, we're going to overpay and get you this mega fight and for mm-hmm. well, what? Because if you overpay and get that fight with Cambosis, you might not win. <laughs> you I mean, might not, not win. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just saying, be careful what you ask for, because it might not. <laughs> happen. Cambosis is for real. And I'm like, no doubt hey, about you, that. You can. The thing is that you're gonna have to box. He's got the style to beat him. Now, I'll I'll admit that. He has the style to beat it. And that's that's the important part, is that he has the style. The rhythm, the way he fights, everything is perfect. It is in line for what they want to do. Now, the major problem that they're having, and they're going to have, is stylistically, Or if Devin wins, this is a great fight for him to boost up his resume. And then him and Teofimo could have that fight probably at a higher weight class. I think Teofimo just got to move up and just fight up there. But he definitely needs a corner. His father got to go. He had no instructions. He was ridiculously flat. It was terrible. It was terrible to watch. I've never seen a fight probably that bad with corner work. I mean, really, it was no assault. Oh first my god, ever.
2: dude! Talk it, about it seven really- different things. I mean, that shit was crazy, Garcia. I couldn't believe. I mean, I guess I could believe it, but I—I I mean, he sits him down. It's like, hey, man, I told you, watch out for that. What are you doing? All right, calm down, calm down, get him out of there. It's like, what?
1: What, what are we doing here, dude? Talk about a range <clears throat> of emotions. He was looking more like Rocky, uh, Rocky's trainer or whatever. What are you <laughs> doing? Dude? Exactly. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. <laughs> knock he was. Knock man. Off. He, he was making him look calm. Right. It was. It was. I felt bad more because I'm like, man, this guy. I did just too. Out there. You and know, he's really just out there with nobody. And that was was sad to see because I was like, man, this is a big fight for him because if he wins this, he can get to see, you know, the Devin Haney fight because they've been trying to build that up like crazy over there on the zone. So this Mm -hmm. is a mega fight. They've been marketing. They've been building it up. And they forgot that they actually had to get through this fight. He walked out there and tried to just knock the guy out. No respect at all for him. No No respect. I was like, oh, wow, he's coming in crazy. And sure enough, he went in there wild, and and the fight was getting out of hand. And I, I told my buddy, I said, oh, this, after the first round, I said, oh, I was like, oh, he'll, he will to come back. And he did. He got himself back into the fight um,
0: and I think, some oh, yeah. of the middle
1: round. And he was doing really good. He was getting on a around and he found his rhythm. And... Right then, he he basically punched himself out, and them punches were. He was winning rounds, but he was taking way too many shots. He abandoned the jab. He had no game plan. Looked like he It looked like he, uh, looked like he yeah. had just zero game plan. It was scary to watch. I said, I cannot believe this is it. You know, like I, I I'm having a hard time following it because I'm just not believing that somebody would send. They fight her out like this with so much on the line. And it was like panic time in the corner. Everybody's in panic mode. It was sad to see. It really he was. was really I felt bad, bad for him. him. I felt bad for him. But for a man who came in, Camp Olsen came in and took the fight. So I was happy for him because he was exactly. the best fighter. He and Pacquiao's sparring partner all those years stayed off. He was used to seeing this style all the time by sparring Manny, so it was nothing he hadn't seen before.
2: Yeah, like you said, he didn't go in there with an established game plan. I mean, when he fought Loma and other guys, he was jabbing at the body. He was fundamental. He was looking for good shots. He was timing. You know, doing everything Tio does, and he just head hunting, chucking. You know, these, just jumping into his punches, looking like. He, like you said, just no respect. And it played right into Kambosis. And they're trying to play off that first knockdown. That wasn't some kind of just, oh, I tripped or something knockdown. I'm not saying he was hurt or hurt, but that wasn't a run-of-the-mill knockdown. He he got hit really hard on that. You know,
0: yeah, I don't that know,
2: was a, man. That
1: was a big shot. That was a yeah. real-deal knockdown. But he took some of those early on because Kambosis was like, yeah. Trying to time him because he's like, oh, okay, this guy's coming in. So he was trying to counter him a lot uh, in that mm-hmm. round because he was just coming in without a jab. He was trying to take his head off. And I'm like, man, this guy is going to have a very hard day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> coming yes. in swinging for the fences like this is this huh. not going to go the way he thinks. He best to pace himself. This is good real brutal for them. I've always thought that. I always that? thought that they had a shot. I said I always thought that they had a shot of making it uh, something epic. You know, like making a real good uh, fight down there because they got a lot of good fighters. So, to make that kind of approach to me is acceptable. Like I can accept a lot of those fights and bouts that they have there. So I was like, well, I can accept those fights because they're going to actually, you know, make a lot of good fights. Like you could have three or four fights like the lightweight like back in the days, like when they had Yala versus Tapia. Like oh, all of that division was hot at the time. And then they had mm-hmm. all the small, you know, spiders like uh, Freitas and Cosmo. Yeah, or, just round
2: like, robin. Just a round right. robin of
1: stuff, you
2: know? Right. And so those
1: lighter weights, I can see them, you know, really taking over the sport again and, and having just a competitive division where guys are just getting in fights. And we're seeing that.
2: And now
1: it's like everybody was stagnant for a while, you know? And, and you know, of course, COVID derailed a lot of things with promotions and company. Yeah. True. And, and all of those different. Aspects of the game. You saw Canelo just still fight like four times in a year, and now his body is like physically tired.
2: Yeah, right. He's like,
1: "Oh shit, hold
2: on. I'm not used to that."
1: Yeah, yeah. Like he said, he's like, "My body is just physically tired." You know, people don't realize all the training that goes along with it. You know, they just see the fight. You know, and I'm like, man, you know, this bit of Four times in a year, it's massive. So that's why I'm like, boy, oh, fought twice in a year, but four times in a year now. Or and I'm like, these are like four events. Yeah, so, the full <laughs>
2: camps and all that. Yeah, ten week camps and long, you know, gru- you know, grueling camps.
1: Right, Even if it,
2: one of them was Yildrum, the camp was the hard part, like you said.
1: Right. So he was physically just. Like, my body tired.
2: Like, he needs
1: to, you know, some rest. So he needs a, a, some time off. So I think he had told, uh, like, uh, I think Eddie Hearn and everybody else that, you know, it's going to take about a month to just rest and get his body back. You yep. know, before he goes back to the hidden pads and all of these things, he's just like taking about a month of rest. <laughs> my body physically, mentally exhausted, you know. The wall is training and fighting right now. So if I look at his year though. I'm like, it's clear he was fighter of the year. I am like I was I mean, I don't see how anyone could really contest contest it. I don't like he beat Billy Joe Saunders, you know, he beat Caleb Plant, even though people thought Caleb Plant was some uh Extra or extraordinary human being, you know. Like they, they really didn't believe in him anyway. But he was an undefeated fighter, and because he was an undefeated fighter, he was a champion. Even though everybody heavily big picked, picked Canelo to beat him, he had never been beaten. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders, same thing. You know, it was. It was something we never seen, but Canelo was stopping these guys. He wasn't going to the cards.
2: Yeah, no, you know? right. Yep.
1: And I'm like, he fought the guys in his way. He went up to weight classes. He he fought them, and now they because David Benavidez has come along to to I guess because he's beaten I have nobody I don't know who <laughs> he's supposed to be the man now. And Canelo's running from him. I'm just like, if he beats David Benavidez, what does it do, do for Canelo? I mean, I would love to see the fight, but it does nothing for him. So I'm like, this is great for David Benavidez, but David Benavidez is going really yeah, to
2: it
1: is the right. No, It's, <laughs> it's kind of like no every,
2: every year there's a new, oh, Canelo hasn't faced him, though, you know, it seems like every new year there's a new, and it's like, well, benavidez that's his own fault, man. You know, he missed weight. You know, that's why he lost his belt. That's on him. You know, that's not – you can't sit there and blame exactly. Canelo like he's supposed to hold his hand on the scale and, and check in with the week, the week of the fight and be like, hey, how's your weight doing? You know, like
1: that's on him. you know? Yeah, and then David – the thing about it is David would lose that fight only because David is very easy to hit. Yeah, I think it'd be entertaining. It'd be a fun fight to watch, but I agree. Right. I think David is used to fighting guys that he can walk through their punches. I just don't think he can walk through Canelo. And him coming forward like that with no real head movement is very dangerous. And fighting a guy like Canelo, he's going to feel the difference. Now, if he's able to take Canelo's punch and hold his will and keep coming forward with activity, then yeah, he's got sure. a great shot of being Canelo. But how long is he going to be able to keep that up? I don't see it being very successful. Canelo's going up and down in weight. That's going to eventually catch up to him. You're going to have to pick a weight class and stay at it, buddy, and gradually move up. Like you're going to try to drop back down and then go back up, you, you're going to run into a room of basement.
2: That's true. way yeah.
1: to getting knocked out. That's a good
2: point. Yeah. I mean,
1: we've seen yeah. it plenty of times. Yeah. And you'll lose to a lesser guy, and then you'll be like, how did I lose this? Totally win. So yeah, he,
0: he does yeah. got to
1: watch out for that. Yeah, it's really forced and finesse. Now this uh, Woodley rematch, I saw enough in the first fight to not even dream of seeing the second one. Now yeah. they're showing it in the strip club. I might show up there to watch sure. it in the strip. Club. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The that's strip different. club gets it for free. You know, they invite me to right. the party.
2: that's that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> So, yeah. If people tell me that it was good, you know, and I see, oh shit, it actually was good. Well, there's daily motion, and doesn't mean you got an illegal stream. It. it just there's, it's gonna be available after. Then I, then I would. I, I have to admit, if someone was like, dude, that was a good fight, like, and I, and I saw, you know, credible people,
0: I'd be like, all right, go check it out. Eight rounds,
2: whatever. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not
1: veering towards this one. Right. And the thing is, is that this is more he could do whatever he wants really with Woodley As be first. Woodley's not really a boxer at all. And here he is with a half camp, not even a full one. And he wasn't even getting the rematch until Tommy ended up pulling out. So because of an injury or whatever. So It was That's funny, up. though.
2: Because Tyson and Tommy said I could beat this guy one handed with a messed up elbow and a messed up, you know, broken rib. He said I could I could beat him with barely, basically, no hands, you know. And then he got hurt. It's like, oh, I thought you said you could beat him. Wait, wait a, wait a second. I I thought you said you could beat him with a broken rib. <laughs> That's what we're talking. <laughs> Just kind of gets you in a, you know, in a in a box sometimes. Yeah. But and uh, that that kind of cracked me up. It's like, now you said you could come in hurt and beat him. No, I, I, now you said you don't want to do it
1: But yeah, yeah. It's kind of happening You know
2: it's like a yeah, you got Amanda,
1: Toronto, Amanda Toronto Getting promoted better With With Jake Paul Than she ever had With any boxing promoter In her career That's So true that is I'm happy for her But it's telling
2: Very happy for her but it is telling Yeah
1: it's extremely telling that a YouTuber wow. can come out and promote a fighter better than and really promote her, than too. promote her and promote there's the not an interview that goes out. by
2: it's not an interview that goes by that he doesn't mention her you know
1: oh of course, and i'm like she's a, she never was on social media never. You would never see Amanda around on, on social media and she's like, I don't do social media, I don't have a phone. I don't do any of this stuff. Yeah, right. I'm like, well what you going to yep. do it now. <laughs> this is where the people are. He's like, but I'm not doing that but combing my hair. It's good. Tell them you're combing your hair. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, people will wanna see stuff like that? Yep.
0: <laughs>
1: like, look, she's combing her hair. <laughs> Hmm. So, yeah, that's it. She's now got a presence, and they're talking and writing articles about her. So she's seeing the results. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man.
2: I'm definitely happy yeah. for her. So we don't got much time left. Any other items that you uh, want to talk about? It's on a countdown here. We got like three, four minutes left of the uh, stream.
1: Well, I anything else? That, yeah, I could just say that this uh, this uh, war that's going on right now with uh, PBC, PBC has got to step up and start Living with these fights. They have been milking the world because of this pay-per-view nonsense they've been doing. It is ruining the game. Everybody's doing the pay-per-view shuffle. And it's ruining boxing. And nobody's going to be buying fights. And that's why these numbers are so low. Because people are all drained from all these pay-per-views that they're trying to force people to pay to watch. So if people right are going before to Christmas, around, too.
0: Right yeah. before Christmas. And if people
1: get money from illegal streaming. People oh, have yeah. been illegal streaming now. So it's, it's been crazy out here.
2: You I don't think... mind four to six. Four to six a year if they're spread out, okay, I'll live with that. No problem. But when they're back-to-back every two weeks, three weeks, man, that's just too much,
1: man. It's too many. Yeah, it's ter- you can't keep up. I'm sitting there yeah. like, I'm like, This man. weekend? Oh,
2: shit. Yeah, <laughs> totally, dude. It's tough to keep up.
1: Yeah, but it messes up the game when you're putting showcase fights on page yes. two yes. because now it's like okay you want a marquee fight and you're basically charging the same price so i'm All like right. well you're charging 80 bucks for this fight and you're telling me this is worth 80 bucks and then okay well this one's supposed to be worth more oh this is 80 bucks too then why am i paying 80 for the first one you know <laughs> yeah this, right this, this yeah give me half did. off <laughs> right right and the UFC is doing this because they're not spending their money they don't have the money so because they don't have the money, they have to do this to generate the money for the fight. So they've got to put it on pay-per-view. Well, there's not going to be any way to guarantee the purge to the fighters. They're getting off the pay-per-view buys. And they, even though the numbers are terrible, they can do like $100,000. That's enough to pay for everything. Oh, so, yeah. To- I mean, the break-even,
2: If you, a lot of these fights don't take much to break-even, and they've been doing that on and off, like boxing, since the 90s. There's a long list of uh, fights that shouldn't have been on pay-per-view, but, but do like 175 or 125 or some of them do 200,000. You're right. And that's it's just like, it, it's a way. Well, also the last few years of this overpay, I mean, to be fair, you know, I remember hearing this about, you know, when Al Al came with the PBC that, oh, they were overpaying fighters, but DAZN overpaid a lot of fighters and that's why you see everybody's minimum went up all of a sudden. It's like, oh, shit. Okay. Well, we got to pay them more now. And it, it, it's just, like you said, it's yeah, literally.
1: They were playing with, were playing with hedge funds. They don't want to fund. lose them. Yeah, they were playing with hedge fund money. And right then, this is why there, all these fighters would would have been smart if they'd went and got the money from the zone like Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia is like, look.